Now, uh, help me out, Blaster. Transform and play something uh, nice. And now, a nice and nifty musical selection for easy listening. <laughs> Hold on to your dancing shoes and go, man, go! One shall stand, one shall fall. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall, a Transformers TCG podcast broadcasting live from an underground bunker in the middle of the murky Midlands. I want to boot some Decepticon right in his turbocharger. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down, Cliff Jumper. Wow. Seriously, put that gun down. You're going to kill somebody in this studio. Goodness. Right. Anyway, I'm your uh, host, Lee, from Blue Top Productions. And uh, today, I have a motley crew of people to talk everything about Transformers the TCG. That's right. The trading card game based on the cartoon from the 80s. This podcast will talk about news about the Transformers the TCG, new releases, deck profiles, and stuff that's happening in the community. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. One shall stand, one shall fall. What's up, guys, and welcome to an incredible episode of One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall. This is episode 25. We're a quarter of the way to 100. Never would have seen that coming, to be honest. But we are the one and only... I am the one and only... That's right, Transformers TCG podcast on the airwaves. And this episode is incredibly special because, obviously, if you've listened to episode 24, we got round to recording and talking about a set. Funny enough, the fourth iteration of that set is going to be dropping on the Monday of us recording this podcast we're super excited some of the cards are absolutely bonkers and insane and i can't wait to like pick our guests brain about them but first off i want to give a lovely introduction to my co-host the man the myth the legend behind the energon hustlers dave cook how you doing dave hello mate yeah i'm good looking forward to this um it is exciting and it's really cool that the set's out on monday so we can really grill our guest this evening on the some of the cars because it's got some spice in it for sure oh, mate there's some paprika in there there's some ghost chips mate there's some spice there's just some they've got a lot of kick going on in that set so this guy is the world champ that's all i'm gonna say right now like there was a world championships for the tcg when the game was alive and he won it guys he gave us preceptor and he is one of the heads of the hydra over at Vector Sigma. It is Dan Arnold. Dan, thank you for joining our podcast, buddy. Hey, thank you for having me, Lee and Dave. Uh, you know, I've been looking forward to coming on. We've been trying to do this for a couple months now, I think. <laughs> it has. And the we best have. way we can describe it, it's been a while. And it's been a while since I first saw you. In the works. It's definitely been in the works for a while. Obviously, we've been playtesting stuff. You've been playtesting stuff. Real life happens you know it just gets it just gets crazy but it's so good to finally get you on a podcast man because i know dave and me are truly grateful because beyond the transformers tcg we know you quite well so it's kind of like we've inherited a friend through this game and it's kind of nice to have a friend jump on our podcast yeah i mean i'm pretty sure there was a night where you and i were up to like 1 a.m my time 
watching the Flyers versus the Islanders. So yeah, that, like... ended, uh, that ended in one way, guys, if you wanted to know. Islanders, baby. Whoop, whoop. Sorry, Flyers. <laughs> um, and again this year, go Islanders. Whoop. Just saying it's all. But we're going to leave the hockey <laughs> yeah. towards the end. That's fair. Because That's we've fair. got Dan on. And I know Dave's just going to be like, I'm just going to drink seven beers while you guys talk about hockey. Yeah. Because you're going to be here for like multiple <laughs> hours just saying why Eric Lindros is a savior. Um, no. But <laughs> Just no. watch that episode, man. Oh, man. Dad of me. Dad of me's beef goes strong with Mr. Eric Lindros. I absolutely love it. But yeah, so Dan, um, if people don't know who you are, just give us a lovely spiel uh, on who you are, Mr. World Champ. Who are you? So I'm Dan Arnold. Uh, I Before the game had ended, I would have been known from VectorSigma.info. Uh, as Lee was speaking, I did win the Energon Invitational, which was pretty awesome um, in, in the least amount of words I could say uh, but since the game has ended uh, I'm a, one of the members of the Alpha Trion Protocols who have been making sets for the game uh, we just released our fourth set we're like two days away from like the official PDF going out for everyone but like the printed sets that we get done are already in the mail and people for all I know already received them today I'm, I haven't seen any pictures so probably not but yeah um, I'm just uh, a guy that really loved this game and when it ended, I really wanted to do whatever I could to continue it, and that's uh, that's the like the bottom of the heart moral story of who I am in the game now. Awesome source. So Dan, we're all we're gonna like pick your brain for the whole of Way Three because um, I can be very honest. I own Way Three cards, but I haven't played with them as much as I should have. <laughs> so I'm gonna hold my hands up here. Shame say, on you, dude. I'm, I'm gonna. Shame. Yeah, I'm just gonna say shame. 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 Let's let's get straight into some like questions about Alpha Trion 3 and a little bit of 4 because that's on the cusp of being released as you just said. So Alpha Trion Protocols 3. So obviously if you know this podcast we've gone through and dissected every single set. We're going to eventually do Way 4 at some point. Uh, we want to apologize, Dan, and it took us so long to do Way 3. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, with 3, what was the initial outgoing and the idea for it? Because there are some amazing cards in this set. Like, there is some fan-favorite characters. There's some really strong battle cards and um, some really awesome stratagems as well. So what was the design outlay straight from the get-go? So... Normally, we probably get toward, I'd say, like, 75% done a set. And then we start, like, just, like, thinking about what the next set will be. Or, ironically, what will happen is, like, some idea will come up, like, towards the end of a set. And then we'll be like, oh, this is, like, really cool. Let's run with it. And they're like, oh, wait, we don't want to waste this, right? So, like, it, it happens pretty often because eventually we get to a point where most of the set is complete and designed and it's been playtesting and, like, we're comfortable with it. So, like, we start kind of, like, throwing more things in there just to, like, you like utilize the time better, I would say. Um, so about... Probably halfway through ATP 2, when we were kind of getting down to the wire on uh, Seekers and the Combiners, we started messing around with this idea of Beast and Wreckers. Uh, so originally, ATP 3 was supposed to be a set that was completely designed around Beast and Wreckers. However, um, that didn't happen, right? I know ATP 3 is not designed around Beast and Wreckers, because what we decided about probably the first or second meeting into design for ATP3 uh, was Beast didn't really need support, actually. Like, 
some of the best characters in the game in, com in, in competitive play, like, were horrible and fangry. And, like, these were characters that were almost every deck characters. So we didn't really want to give them any support because we're like, our, our big thing with the ATP is deck diversity. So, like, rather than feeding into the, the beast and the melee uh, characters, like, wholeheartedly, we're like, oh, let's not do that. Let's, let's just do something else. But we did keep the Wreckers tag, obviously. So the Wreckers were important to us because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Watsy really didn't do the Wreckers good justice. They just didn't. Um, ironically, the best wrecker, I think we can all agree to this, is Perceptor, and that wasn't even a Watsy design character. And it has nothing to do with me designing, it was just the matter of, like, he ended up being a wrecker, and, like, I didn't, I didn't know anything in design other than, like, Sergeant Cup, so I didn't know what any of the other characters in Wreckers when we were making Perceptor. I didn't know what any of the other characters were or who they were going to be. I just knew that there were wreckers, I knew there was a Sergeant Cup, um, and I knew what Sergeant Cup did. But, like... So when we get to the full set, you look at the wreckers from from Wave Five, like they just none of them really hold a candle to like most of the of the set. So uh, getting a couple wreckers into the game that really can stand on their own and be like very solid characters at a star cost that it's like not a very good star cost in the game either uh, at the nine star slot with you know because we introduced Wheeljack and Impactor in the set um, was really important to us. It was really important to get those stars. Uh, as like a feel-good spot in the game because honestly if you really go back and you look at a lot of the tournament winning decks it's a it's a lot of the same number associations of characters uh, you know the 1375 um, you know like the 1177s like those things like that are like some of the most highest uh, consistency basis in in deck lineups or obviously the 1555 or the 1645 like those things like the big big characters obviously are also very defining in their moments um, but like the eight, the sevens, the eights, or I should say more or less the eights, the nines and the tens, uh, are really hard start costs in the game. And it was really difficult for us to be comfortable making a character in those, in that star slot. So like the records coming in at those nine stars was really important because we're like, all right, we want impactful nine stars and we want them to be records because these characters fit this mold of what we want them to do. Um, so yeah, but really what ended up happening to sum up that real quick was instead of going Wreckers and Beasts, we decided to lean on what we called Traits Matter. Um, so we really, really focused on the traits of the characters specifically, uh, and then a certain star cost of nine and six. They were our two big hits in the game that we wanted to make more playable six stars and we wanted to make more playable nine stars for the competitive team to make that decision. And then along the way all of the battle cards for the most part uh really play into i need this trait to do this thing and that's why we came with this traits matter theme for atp3 yeah there was quite a few wasn't there like specialists were were important Lead, leaders um um like valiant valiant effort was was really leader focus and was it ranged as well yeah i, I believe remember. i believe we hit at least one card per trait i, yeah. I believe yeah specialists um, were extremely loved in atp3 Specialists were, especially were, yeah, they were definitely a lot of love, and it was, um, it was a targeted direction too. Like, you know, we we know what specialists are capable of in the game, and we know that most specialists in the game were like, kind of uh, frowned upon in a way of like what they were able to do. You know, like the Springer deck as an example, and like the Field Communicator shenanigans and all those things. So like, we wanted to like lean into that because obviously in the ATP metagame we banned Daring Escape uh, and Springer for that matter, and mostly because. 
the, it's it's not a fun like if we want to play this game you want to have fun like you want to be able to interact and like if you're going to sit for an hour in front of a webcam and interact with an opponent like we really just wanted to remove the feels bad from the game like you don't ever want to like make time to play a round and then sit across the table and your opponent's playing Darenscape and you don't even play the game right like I, I like that was the real reason for like removing those cards because we just didn't want to have that feels bad moment in the metagame like it was just like you, we didn't want people to even have to worry about it type thing not that i think it was broken or overpowered or any of those situations it was more or less just like the mpe of it all the negative play experience of it all was just like all right we don't want these things uh but you know the the wheeljack is a flipper that that has a field communicator on it you know and then we also kind of continue with the discard route um also with the specialist because like uh, shockwaves, both shockwaves interact with discard in a way and things like that. So it was really, in, it was really important for us to like keep the theme to a specialist that we that people were like, but do it in a way that's not like, man, I hate playing against this card all the time. Yeah, not not oppressive. Right. Uh, I think I th you know I think that was endemic in Magic the Gathering as well, particularly like modern. Yep. Um, and, and you know suddenly the bigger um, like legacy and vintage and stuff you know I played Magic for a long time yeah. and it was just like you say when you sit down for a match and you go oh so you're playing your own game right? and I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit here and I either either stop you going off or you just win and I think like it's good that you, you recognise that with Springer and Daring Escape because Sergeant Springer at a casual level is bloody good if you put him in if you, if you put him in a competitive um, shell. That is, sorry. He, he <laughs> agrees. That guy over there completely agrees with you, Dave. He completely agrees. Absolutely. It does, it, it, <laughs> um, yeah. Like, if you put him in a competitive shell, he just becomes that negative play experience. It's... Um, so it's good that, good that you, you guys picked up on that. And, and it's quite early, wasn't it? You banned oh, yeah. Springer. Yeah, he got banned. He, he, he They were banned so early on, it was unbelievable. And it was, it was because of that. It was like, so, you know, we started running the tournament series before uh, before the game had ceased to exist anymore, in quotation marks. Um, and, like, the, it was literally, like, that next month where, like, they had they had discontinued the game and, like, we're like, all right, well, we're in this now, so we might as well just make our own rules at this point, right? Like, like so, and, like, we just said it, like, there was an event where, uh, shout out to my friend Neil, um... He doesn't really play the game anymore, but he's a member of the guys from the Shuffle Bus. If you guys remember the Shuffle Bus at all, they did the they did it they did their own podcast as well uh, for the entirety of the game. And he was a diehard combo player. And there was this event where he went straight undefeated. It was not close. He slaughtered all of his opponents, and he ended up losing in a top eight match because he just forgot to play Conversion Engine, basically. But like it was just like watching him play, and he was probably the best player that I've ever seen play Daring Escape. Like. He played the deck so quickly, the games ended so fast, like, he just, he knew how to play the deck, he knew how to, like, not make his opponents sit around for 10-20 minutes, like, he just, he flawlessly did everything he had to in a great time, but, like, it was still, like, anyone that sat across from just, like, what am I supposed to do, you know, like, and it was just, like, I told him, I was like, then I was like, man, I was like, I'm glad you had fun with it, I was like, this card will never see play ever again. <laughs> it's just it's like, well, <laughs> to, to be honest, we played it when it first came out, obviously, um, Mike played it against me and was like, do you want to see this, because it's not fun. And I was like, uh, I'll be the judge of that. I want to see how it goes. And obviously it is you you go against it and you have maybe one or two turns 
Yeah. It's and just not fun. Solitaire. And it's not fun, but it's really amazing, to be honest, to watch another person play. And it's like, holy shit, that's exactly how it's supposed to be and how it was supposed to play. That's cool. But that is incredibly not what this game's all about. Like, I was like, right, it's about robots punching other robots really hard or shooting. It's not about, like, you know, trying to escape and be a douchebag or robots. You know, you want to fight. <laughs> it's a shame because Springer is a super fun character, you know, and, like, there have been so many iterations of, like, fun over-the-top steamroll decks and stuff like that that like really were were interactive and were like a fun thing to, to do in the community but like just his existence of the ability to like tap out your opponent every turn or just play daring escape like it was just like nobody wants to play with this in the format let's be honest like and the one percent of people that do want to play it well you know <laughs> get over it <laughs> like, how do you sleep at night yeah play, what you play, a, <laughs> play another deck you'll be fine yeah, going going on the whole Wreckers route then. Obviously, you've got your boy Impactor, who's obviously I think one of the most craziest, awesome, and like he is other than Springer, I would think is possibly the most iconic um, Wrecker. When it comes to when it came to making the Wreckers uh, and choosing who's going to have that trait, was it? Uh, I can't I can't say because everyone has been a Wrecker at some point in the, <laughs> yeah. in the whole comic. Uh, like we kind of we had that joke. <laughs> was there any uh, was there any kind of like I want him to be a Wrecker? No, I want him like in. Uh, can I say in the most justice way possible of in house fighting of who can have the trait? <laughs> I don't think it was like that. I think we you know we because we know what our set size is like. You know there there has been other Wreckers that have like been through the design process but not the testing process. Um, so, like, they have been thrown around and they've been used and stuff like that, but I think, like, early on, like, we just, we, like, we knew Wheeljack for one, like, we just knew we wanted a Wrecker Wheeljack for certain. May or may not have pushed for that, I don't know, maybe, I'm not, I'm just saying. Um, and then Impactor was another one, there was Impactor and Springer, to be honest, it was both of those two that we knew we wanted another Wrecker in the set, if not a third, there was a point in time where there might have been a third. Um, but Impactor just ended up being the right fit for this design of a character, I would say. Yeah, because I feel like that's like the two like flagships, isn't it? Do you either have Impactor or Springer, or can you somehow get them both to play together and play nice? Uh, because of obviously their lovely relationship in the comic. Um, so so with with um, mo moving on that, Dave, actually, no, Dave, have you got any questions for ATP3? Not, not really. I was obviously really pleased to see the Wreckers. Something that I've done recently is to get more more of a diverse mix of videos on my channel is to do the Tournament Tuesday series, which has enabled me to look at ATP in a more competitive light, rather than sliding them into casual games, where the cars probably are at a power level that's that could be a little bit unfun for a casual game. Um, and so Tournament Tuesday has allowed me to look at them a lot. And I, I was massively happy with um, Impactor and Wheeljack being there's sort of like Dan said the nine star staples that you're happy to play at nine stars because it is a funny star cost um and yeah wheeljack's absolutely phenomenal you know i got absolutely trashed claire was running um christian's fortress maximus deck and i got absolutely battered by it but wheeljack is phenomenal and if he's left alone he he ends games he's really good the the, the two characters like together are awesome right and then I've seen it even more commonly now where it's like you just see a wheeljack just in a random lineup. And it's like, and then uh, more commonly actually in this event and one of the other events, there's been like a new uh, tank deck that's like basically just like a leader's tank deck 
where it's uh, Impactor and then the Dark Mount with the Stratagem, Straxus Lives, and then insert insert another guy. And it's just like, it's just cool to see those characters like, all right, they work here and then they work outside of it. And it's like, you can show the, basically like what the nine star slot can do if it, if it, like if it existed, right? Like in the game, it just didn't really exist at nine stars. There just weren't enough characters that were playable. And it's good, it's good that there's that, there is that versatility because like you say, it keeps um, the metagame healthy and diverse because if if it's just the same decks in the top eight it's like well, why bother um you know so it's good to see that um I've, i have been since we had christian on a, f a few months ago like i've i've definitely been following you know i wish i had the time to play i, I, I genuinely don't have a, a lot of free time um in the evenings also with the time zone difference it can be quite tricky for me to get a game at a convenient time so I wish I could play more, but I've been following a lot of the top eights, and it's interesting to see what's coming and going, and also how you guys react to your metagame that you've created. So obviously we've had some very high-power cards, like Menasaur, like the new version of Motormaster is arguably the strongest thing to come out of ATP2, I think. Uh, ATP2, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you've addressed that. You know, he is full-constructed only now, isn't he? So... That's cool. So, so you know, unofficially like, official, yeah. Unofficially <laughs> official. <laughs> is is that is that true? I don't, I don't yeah, know. With, I, I, with I, the start I, of season four, he's being removed from Titan One. He's yeah. been ah, removed. Right. Okay, sorry. He's not allowed at the party. Oh, sad pandas FC for all you stunter confounds. He's being honestly kicked to the curb. I mean, like we don't need to get too far into it, but the the biggest thing for us, if since we run the multiple formats, is we won't we don't want a deck to be the best thing in full constructed and the best thing in Titan One. And see all these loops over it. Like if you're a if you're a if you're able to be a top tier deck and playable in full constructed, then you don't really need to be in Titan One because I would rather there yeah. be a, a situation there where it's like, oh, this month is full constructed. I haven't played Menasaur in a couple months. I'll I'll bring out Menasaur. And I don't want the option of, oh, I played Menasaur last month in Titan One. I don't have time to make a new deck. I'll just play Menasaur again in full constructed. Right. I'll just play him again. I really like that was the reason why early on we had after after ATP two came out. We had made the bands to ATP one so quickly uh, with like Destiny and the Sky Shadow Sync and Metroplex. Like um, those cards got banned in Titan one because we're just like the card, the power level of these cards are just they're they're too transferable, and we we don't want that. We want the formats to feel different, right? So that's why like with Menasaur, ironically, uh, the results would not bear witness to this. Honestly, if you really went and looked at it, because there was that full constructed event uh, in March that myself and Richard Wyatt we went one two with. 99.9% .9 the same Menasaur deck. Uh, it was a, literally a one-card difference in our 50, 50 cards. And from that point on, like, they've had a top eight here, a top eight there, but it ha they haven't dominated an event like they did that one. But we do know, you know, internally, like, this has the capability of just being a very oppressive deck in a lower-power format. So because of that, we are going to remove it from Titan 1. Which is cool. And, and that's, that's, you know, again, that's recognizing um, that you want to keep it healthy. Because no one wants to, no one wants to turn up. You know, I remember Magic: The Gathering, the worst season I played in. You know, this is pre-kids and, and everything. Oh boy. So Here I had go. a lot more time for playing. I think I the know summer, what might be said. The, the summer of Jace the Mind Sculptor there was it is, disgusting. <laughs> and you don't, you know, and it's good that you're not allowing that to perpetuate within the tournament season for Transformers. 
So looking at some of the things, obviously Wreckers was a huge thing in uh, ATP3. Was it uh, just uh, coincidence or perfect timing that you bought out possibly one of the most uh, con uh, controversial villains, should we say, or heroes, depending on uh, what side you uh, side on, uh, that battle the Wreckers in the comics in Overlord? The, the answer to that is yes and no, I would say. Um, because uh, I was reading that comic along like along the way of, of us designing the characters, but uh, the Overlord came in, you know, from definitely like left field. I would say like it wasn't like, oh hey, we're making Wreckers, so like we should make this character that like went against Wreckers in some fashion, right? It was just like, oh no, I, we need this centerpiece big guy character, and he just fits the mold for what we want to do with traits matter. Yeah, he's awesome, Overlord. He really is, um, like. I've still yet to get him on the board because I, I, I had a real delay with my card, so I haven't had a chance to really play him yet. But the next top eight, I look at, I hope there's an Overlord in there so I can go and beat Claire up with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a, at least one in every top eight, so I think you can find yourself a matchup. <laughs> so obviously, uh, a lot of a lot of things is is advanced with the ATP format. Is basically obviously originally started off as stratagems, then obviously characters got involved, then battle cards, etc. Um, for, for you guys, uh, going forward, obviously, you know, uh, Wave 4 is literally on the cusp. Um, is it still to stick with the same format? Are you going to keep, like, going with characters and stratagems and battlefields? Because I feel like it's always been, like, a step of, like, um, design creation in a way as an evolution, if you will. Because the first set was really cool. Second set, incredible. Third set, it's just hitting its stride now. Is that is that what it is going forward then, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the important thing to note is... ATB1 was designed to be an all-stratagem set for multiple reasons. Uh, the first was when we had our first meeting uh, with the protocols, with the original 10 or 11 protocols that we had, um, we all decided that we wanted to do stratagems. We thought Wave 5 gave us this awesome ability to continue the game with the characters that we know and love, right? Um, and do it through characters that probably didn't see a lot of love. Uh, you know, like my, my personal favorites are Jetfire and uh, and Dark Matter. You know, they're two cards that I think I think really really changed the idea of what this card was supposed to be, and really give it this playability. And it was really funny because like it did it in such a way that uh, shout out to my you know my boy, my good buddy Stefan when he was running his uh, he started this this new tournament chain where he runs he started running from Wave One and then he had Wave Two and then he had Wave Three and Wave Four. But like. When I, when I was uh, thinking about playing in the first one was just Wave 1, like, I really, like, started to look at Jetfire and Darkman, like, man, could I actually make a playable deck with these characters? Like, how close were they actually if you don't overshadow them with an Optimus Prime, right? Because, like, Optimus Prime is obviously, like, obscene. The cars were so insane, like, and obviously bugs, right? So, like, those three decks, and, like, uh, we'll, 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 we'll put the Dinobots in there as well. But those four things were just so, like, they stood out and they were so easy to build and play. It's like, man, could a character like Jetfire really had been? And um, I, I don't know how many interviews you guys have listened to with Matt Smith, but Matt Smith's favorite card in the game was Jetfire. Uh, and he had always said that people had always overlooked that Jetfire. So, like, when we first started designing for it, it was just like, oh, yeah, like, this is a card that I would love to just make playable, right? Like, and and it, it, we did. Obviously, we made the card playable. Um, but ironically, the success of that card is also pretty low as well. It's a lot of people don't actually pick that card up in full constructed events, and they early on it was played in full constructed, but it didn't really it didn't really come back to it. No one really no one really plays the card. But um, what had happened in the middle between ATP one 
and the beginning of APT2 is that we had just realized that we were kind of going to handicap ourselves in a way if we didn't move on from only stratagems. Because the real truth is, uh, at what point... Uh-oh, hold on a second. At what point does it become um, too difficult to give something a star cost, right? Because there is a lot of things in the game that, like, yeah, you can add a star and you can do some fun stuff with it, but at what point is it too much, right? And I think I could definitely make the argument that the reason why it was so easy to ban cards in ATP, or in Titan 1 that were from ATP 1 because they just the power level was too much for a star in a lower-powered format. Uh, so that's that's why you make that decision cautiously. You're like, all right, well, if I'm gonna have to, you know, shoot every single card to the moon for a star, it's probably not gonna be a fun game experience. Fair. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good answer. I'm not gonna argue with that, Dave. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, like it was great to see Dinobots put back on the table. My boy Metroplex is just scary with uh, Heed the Call. So I love it. So I can't argue with that. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> which, yeah. which, and which, by stri the way, strikes us lives. Which, which, by the way, is a zero cost stratagem. So you know. Yeah. There's that. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks, boys. I'm forever in your debt. You know. I hate that card. Every time you play against me, Lee, you just it's like, a fine tuned oh, Ferrari, I'll bro. It's a fine tuned so, Ferrari. Yeah. I, just, I, I hate it. I hate that deck. I think that's <laughs> that's the real truth. Is that the reason why we decided? All right, we're gonna move on. I mean, and also, I mean, set one was only eleven cards on eleven, 11 stratagem. So. Once we decided, like, okay, well, we kind of handicap ourselves. Yes, there are plenty of other characters that we could attack and bring back, but realistically, it would probably be easier to start with a blank slate. So that's why in ATB2, now granted, we, we very much wanted to reinvigorate the combiners for set two, which is very, very important to us. Uh, we decided that very, very early on that that was going to be our goal for set two, is to reinvigorate and set a new bar for combiners back in the game because they were just so invisible for so long oh yeah um so when we came up with that entire mechanic that was really a really unique and interesting way for us to figure that out uh of how to make them even exist in a metagame at all really um so then you know along the way there where you know in atp1 and atp2 we really 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 did piggyback off of watsi and everything they did and we tried to, we tried to use their cards as best as possible to move the game forward and keep as much of the game intact with with like the Watsi standard way of cards, uh, ATP three is obviously quite different. You know, we look at we for the first time I would say we looked at what Watsi did and said, what did they do wrong and how can we fix it? And that's why when you look across the game and you're like, man, there's just like there's just no playable six stars in the game. Like they just don't really exist. Like so let's point let's make three six star characters that are all just like great and unique and different for different reasons. Um, let's look at the nine stars and let's create great nine stars. Let's look at the mercenaries and let's create a mercenary that's a great playable character. You know, like those were all the goals that we were really targeting to do. And I mean, I, I think for the most part, the uh, the metagame for ATP three for this season three has really showed that it really did open up the game into like a different area that we weren't at before. So that's why I think I think the success of ATP three was like really kind of us like taking the handcuffs off uh in a way yeah there's there's like yeah like i love some of the characters in atp3 i think there's some hidden gems like i i've been looking how to use your ransack like i love kickback mm -hmm. and i love ransack and it's weird to say it on a podcast because for ages i was like don't play bugs they're annoying but they're so much fun 
So you just have to just, you know, just evolve or die, Lee, effectively. And I absolutely love Kickback. I think he's a very underrated card. Like, I love that card. <laughs> um, it's so good. They were kind of like the, my first foray into, like, a, like when we were still able, obviously, to meet in, in Plymouth and, and that. Because, like, there's a couple of guys that play Battlefield Legends still. And, you know, we're talking a sort of Wave 3 time, so pre-Galaxy Prime. And I was like, what can I play? I play, I play Bugs a fair amount. I was, I was the Bugs guy in, in Plymouth. And then they just disappeared completely. So it was really, you know, Ransack is a really good addition to try and get bugs back on the table, um, yeah. back into the game. You know, how, how much have they featured in ATP? Because obviously we we see the top eights, but you know, what's the kind of makeup across the board of decks in your events? So Ransack, in specific, was definitely a Junkion targeted character. Um, and he, I believe he was one of was in the top eight of the last month, uh, at least one copy of Ransack. So that was important. But ironically, that you're saying it now, is that in this month's event, there are like two or three bug decks that people brought to the table. So nice. Uh, we're 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 in round one, so I I can't really go and say, oh, they're doing well. I don't know yet. But um, <laughs> no pressure on those guys as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it is it's cool because like I said, like uh, it's interesting, like. You know, I can make a character, or we can make a character and design it a way that we're like, okay, it's it's here for this, right? Like this is why this is the place that's supposed to have in the meta. Um, but then, you know, you once you put it out there and you look, people look at it, they're like, oh, that's that's cool. I'm gonna go and do this thing with it. And you're like, I guess you can do that, yeah. <laughs> you know, like so, it's one of those where it's like, you know, you see people utilize it and. It's just, it's fun to see uh, people get really adventurous with cards. And that's that's cool as well, like, to see people do something with a card that you just didn't even see. <laughs> you know, like, that, that's, and that, and that's cool that that's happening. Um, oh, I had a question, it's just literally my brain's fallen out and I can't remember it. So, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh no, everyone's dead, Dave. Your brain is dying, Dave. Everybody's dead, Dave. Peterson isn't, is he? Everybody is dead, Dave. Not Chen. Gordon Bennett. Yes, Chen. Everybody. Everybody's dead, Dave. Oh, mate, my brain is dying. Oh, it's too hot. It's just too hot in England. It's too hot. We're always grumpy. We always moan about the rain, and then it's too hot. Yeah, we're like the new Spain right now. Like, we're dying. Like that, And we're going to complain about it because we're British. Uh, but yeah, um, some ruddy good cards, should we say, uh, in ATP3 that we covered. Um, battle cards then, Dan. When it came to, obviously, you've got your character lineup, you know what you want to do. When it comes to battle cards, obviously, our set is coming out in July. Um, for us, our main focus was battle cards and stratagems and trying to find that right balance with creator sets, what Wazzy did, you know, just trying to find that middle ground. How was it for ATP 3? Uh, and then maybe just possibly touch on it with ATP 4 as well. So from a battle card perspective? Yeah, if that's possible. So here's the thing with battle cards, right? Um, the way that our game works, it, it doesn't, it has a resource system, but it's not like a, uh, a fairly visible one, you know? So like, in Magic, you know, your resources are lands, right? So, like, our game doesn't have lands. So everything that's, quote, free, it's it's very hard to put a resource on them. Uh, for us, it's very important that it exists in some fashion. So, like, I think ATP3 does this really, really well, where it's, like, most of the cards have do this thing if you have this. So, like, that's, that's quote, the cost of the card. You know, like, a card like uh, Never a Dull Moment, um... It's probably my favorite battle card in the set. It's good. 
if you have a wrecker, you get to you know bounce a, a secret action, and if you have a specialist, they get to scrap a card, right? So it's like you're making that card for a targeted reason of like this is going to be a playable card in this deck, right? But it's not going to be a playable card in every deck, and that's that's important for us in design because we want that deck diversity. We're like if you're going to play wreckers, you're going to play this set of card. If you're going to play Dinobots, you're going to play that set of card. You know, like it's very important for us to have those deck diversity because like. The biggest thing ever is if you really go back and you look at all the Wave 5 metagame, like, it, it's like 32 of the same goddamn battle card in every deck. Like, it's just, like, it's not fun. Like, it's every deck is the exact same, and the difference is, like, uh, the traits cards. Like, and that's it. Like, it's literally it. So it's, like, it's a real feels bad when you have those moments. But when you make a card like Never a Dull Moment, you're like, oh, this card's great in a Wreckers deck. It's really great with Wheeljack or with, uh, or with Perceptor, right? Like, it's really good at those things. But you can also, like... You know, uh, Shockwave's a specialist. If you wanted to make a more aggressive specialist deck, well, now you have another scrap effect for your specialists, like, that don't have the records tag. Like, it was just the idea of, like, creating more ways for the traits to basically be the cost of the card. Um, interrogation from set two is a, is a real good one, where it's like, yeah, you get to scrap a card, it's a Decepticon card, but, like, you have to deal damage to one of your characters to get it things like that so like those those type of built-in restrictions for you need to have a trait or you need to deal a damage or you know whatever it might be like um armed assault like you know like you get like a plus two attack but if you have an arm and you get bold one also like those things were all like important was like we want these cards to to be playable we want them to be good we want them to be different from before but we also want them to have an actual cost to them. And, and also fulfilling a role within like an archetype where you've just said, you know, like for me, one of the cards that you, you guys kindly let me spoil was Outflank. And I love that card because it is like three cards in one. It does three things. And it's, it's, and that for me, we said that in our set review, didn't we, Lee? Like cards that do more than one thing are far more interesting to play yeah. with than like plus three attack. Versatility is important, you know? Like it's, 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 ex it's explicitly important in a metagame, right? When that's, and like, you you know, you've touched on it a bit before where it's like, you know, maybe our cards are a bit above the casual land, like landscape, which, you know, I will 100% agree with you. I think it's a fair statement. Mm -hmm. um, but it is like those cards like that, like you look at an outflank today, like for everything that it is, it's a pretty base card, but the versatility that it brings is, you know, it's gigantic, right? So like that's, it's a big deal. Yeah, like it's a zap, it's a card draw, it's a buff. It's it, it does a lot of things and it can you can use it in several different ways and that that is is for for me that you know like we've just started this little road of right. designing cards and stuff. Like and we try to inject some of that when we're designing stuff like to make it interesting, not just like because if it's just a copy of what's come before then People are going to just drift away, be like, well, the game's not, not evolving, it's not changing. And that's certainly something that you've done as a set. You know, like we're going to come on to talking a bit about your your next set shortly. And we've got like a million questions that's to fair. answer. But like <laughs> a ATP, ATP 4, <laughs> a, it is literally a million questions. But ATP 4 is definitely taking characters in a different direction to what you have done before. And I think that's that's interesting. And I'll be, you know, excited to see how those cards impact moving forward and i think all the cards every set you've released has impacted your meta game and made it diverse so that's you know kudos man that's 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 cool um to see, see a meta game evolving to quickly piggyback off like the you know you can you could always just make like another leap in the battle right right like like oh i can yeah. just make a i can just make a blue plus four right like 
you wouldn't you don't want to do that though right like that's it's not there so like my favorite is um grenade launcher right like grenade launcher has been the best upgrade in the game for the entirety of the game right I mean, we can all we can all agree like it's yep. just that like that card's just yep. massively insane. Well, it's like you can't really make a card that's better than grenade launcher. Like, you just can't. But we made Harpoon Gun. You did. Right? So, like, Harpoon Gun is effectively a grenade launcher on certain characters. Yep. But it yeah. is that unique that unique matter. It is that, quote, cost. It's like, yeah, this card's a grenade launcher, but, like, you need to have a record. You need to have a leader, right? So, like, yeah, obviously it's great on Impactor, and it's good on, other, and it's good on Sergeant Cup, right? But it's like, everywhere else, it's still like, well, this is still just a good card. Like, it still just gives me Pierce 1. It still gives me Bold 1. Like, creating... Like, honestly, in the game, like, orange weapons that stick around are not very high. You know, like, you you have, like, um, what, the, the ecstatic laser from of Ironhide, like, from set one, that, like, that was played for a while. And then you have the uh, the other orange one that gives you minus one defense that I can never remember the name of because that's... Oh, uh, Erratic Lightning. Yeah, Erratic Lightning. So, like, like, you have these cards, but, like, they've never really lasted in decks for the longevity of the game. So it's, like... It's really difficult when you think about those things. It's like, oh, well, like, how do I make an orange card that's, like, good in a lot of different ways and, like, isn't better than Grenade Launcher, right? <laughs> it's just like, well, how do you do this? Well that's, that, well, that's the thing, and it all comes back to Wave 1 as well. It's like the best two weapons, I think, in the game are Grenade Launcher, Energon Axe. They are the best two. To quickly dive off of it real quick, but uh, one of my good good, <laughs> good friends and member of the protocols, Jihen, uh, he's a great numbers guy, and like whenever I need him to like do some type of like analytics for me, like he's always like on top of him. He always gets it back to me. So like I just recently asked him before this event started, I gave him all the top eights from the season and said, "Hey, can you do me a favor and just run these numbers for me so I can see them?" The most played battle card in season three at a, at an upstanding seventy five percent of top eight decks are playing this card is Energon X. You would have seen that coming. Yeah. Like it's, it's nuts. Like seriously, that card is great. <laughs> it's just, Energon X is like because it's just so good in everything. Like it's 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 also gotten to the point now where like most orange decks don't want to play Power Up Punch. They don't want to play you know other of these cards. They're like, man, I'm just gonna play Energon X because like it's easy and it's good and it's powerful. Yeah, I love I love it when your opponent goes, oh, I'm just gonna Camion Crash and do two damage. You're like, cool. I'm just gonna Energon X and give you the middle finger and smile and thanks for triggering that for me. But yeah, no, um, saying what we were, yeah, <laughs> punch you really, really hard. No, but like I think that's one thing I like. Dave and me talk from your set as well. I think everyone else did as well. The versatility in cards, especially when Watsy was doing it in the to late uh, end of their waves, such as you know wedge formation. Uh, my favorite card game uh, card in the game, Sturdy Javelin. Like it boosts melee, and then you can, if you're ranged, <laughs> lovely fun times. Um, but I think having a diversity on a card is really great, and it's just incredibly strong. And it's and it's and it's something that I think you know we probably would have seen evolved if the game stayed alive. So it's kind of nice to see not just your um, crew of people designing cards, but other groups as well are doing it as well as as much as us have we started to do as well. And I think it's that's where a new design space can come in to the game, and it has injected a ton of life into the game. 
just have versatility instead of just going, I just want plus two. Yeah, well, it's that's that's the funny thing too. Like the same thing on that list. Um, you know, we can talk about all the battle cards we want that we've created, but ironically, you know, if I could go through the top twenty-five cards, uh, twenty-five battle cards that are played in our events, and like, there's only realistically like four or five of them are cards that we made. Like that's how strong wave one and wave two battle cards are. You know, like that's how strong the green pip is because you can you know commonly see that. I think. To date, we've only printed one card with a green pip on it, and there's one in uh, set four now. So, of all the battle cards we created, we only created two green pips, um, and that's with a, that's with intent and purpose. But uh, you know, all those cards, like of all the cards we made, like I don't even. I think like we might have like I'd have to go and look at the list, but there might only be like one of them as a battle card in top five. The characters are are landslide. Like I mean, there's Night Racer, which is in literally everything, and then. <laughs> And then, like, and then you can start talking about some of our characters, but, like, Night Racer is just... Night Racer and Fangry and, and, like, to an argument, horrible. Not as much now, but before. Like, those three characters, like, no matter what you did, it was just, like, this is gonna be the most played character. Or Grax or Kreb, like, they're they're good examples as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, those like... Those guys. <laughs> it, it, like, it's very, very hard to get past those things, but, like, in a battle card perspective, most battle card decks are still made up of, of Wave 1 and Wave 2 and, you know, Wave four card or end wave five cards i'm sorry like wave one and wave five are the most impactful battle cards and a lot of the decks are still made up of those cards and then of course most decks still have like a i don't know between three and five to six uh, number of greens it's mad to actually think about that when you like look at all the other sets that are being de designed by other groups as well as what watsy did it's like there's some staples that will never go away. Like yeah, and, and we're talking about us banning peace to tyranny and security checkpoint from our um, our events, right? Like talking just just whilst we're talking about sort of bannings and stuff. Obviously, PTT and the sec check were two very powerful cards that probably should have been star cards, but they hadn't been introduced into the game until wave two. What what sort of what's driven you down the road for for bannings? How do you identify a card that has a problem? Obviously, we talked about daring escape and, and those two. So uh, the, uh, another card that seems really innocuous is Mission Briefing, and I know that's been bad. <laughs> you know, so you know how how do you guys, as a committee, decide what card is going to be removed from a meta game because it's being abused? Yeah, does one of you dress say. as a judge and wears one of those cool wigs and goes order, order, and all of you are on Zoom or whatever? No, we only, we only have those like in that. England, Lee. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. But I guess that one's for the memes. If we can get Scott to dress up like a judge, I'm all for it. There we go. Um, there we go. Make that happen, please. <laughs> what's, what's really good about us uh, in the Alpha Trion Protocols is that we are made up of, you know, some of the most proven competitive players in the game, right? You know, like, you know, you have Stefan who won multiple events. You had myself that has done always well. You've had Richard Wyatt and Scott Landis, like all these guys that have always succeeded. Uh, in the modern age of webcams, Christian, you know, has been a force to be reckoned with. Like, so you have like a lot of these top end players in a conversation all the time, right? Like this is just, it's an everyday conversation of the meta game and things like that. Uh, and a lot of the times, like you can just see it. Like you can just, you can watch a tournament unfold um, and through round one to round five, you can just see these oppressive things. And what's crazy to me is that since we have different formats, you see different cards come in and out. But if we go with the example of mission briefing, okay? So mission briefing is a common, which is where this all started. It started in a Junkion event in December where mission briefing was just like, honestly a three of in like every single deck in the metagame like it was like it was like if you weren't playing mission briefing you were doing something horribly wrong 
Um, and it's like, it's basically just like, every other turn is like, alright, I'll mission briefing for two or three, because like, characters don't die in the format, they don't go away, and it's like, you always have this like, I refill my hand, one of the most powerful characters in the format was Crankcase, because he's just like, obviously he just plays right on in the mission briefing, because he just wants card in your hand anyway. Um, but what had happened was, is like, you look at that, that, that particular format, and you're like, all right, well, Mission Breathing got a lot of love in this event, but that's what happens, right? Like, here's a different format. Here's a, a common card that people started looking at because it was common. And the next thing you know, you get to the next month, and Mission Briefing is almost in, like, 70% of decks now. And it's just like, okay, why is this happening, right? Like, let's figure this out. And the real truth is, is that, like, the, the EV, the value on the card was just, like, for a green, it's just better than every other draw card in the game by, like, a landslide. I mean, we're talking about, like universal network right where it's like that that card costs a star to draw three cards and it's a blue it's not even green right and now you're like here's this white green that can be played in any deck in the format that it wants to be and it's going to draw cards for every character in bot or body mode which is majority of the metagame or you're just going to build your deck that way right and then it got to the point where we were seeing people playing it in combiner decks where it's like you only have one turn to get value out of this but it was still worth it to them to play it in that it was just like this is the opposite of what we want. We don't want every deck to, to be like, I have to play this card, right? Like, I have to play this card, or I'm just always going to be behind. So it was such an easy decision for us to go, this card's just too good, it's too powerful, it's it's becoming like a defining card in the metagame on a green, and it's like, it, it really did reach, like, press the advantage levels of problems. Because it's just like, there would be a game where it's like, if you were the guy that got your mission briefing earlier, you were just so far ahead that, like, your opponent, like, it just didn't matter. Or if you were the mission briefing deck, like, um, one of the decks, uh, I believe it was from the Season 2 Invitational that I had played was the Fire Drive Soundwave deck. And, like, literally my entire plan was just, like, every turn I'm going to draw four cards and then I'm just going to, like, suit up Soundwave with Fire Drive weapon and I'm going to play Steamroll and I'm going to swing for 26. Like, that was literally my deck. Like, and it was... Like, I had played a version of it, Scott had played a version of it, Y had played a version of it, it was just like, this is like my entire deck, and like, I was like this blue control deck, basically, that was just like, completely out-aggroing aggro decks, because like, I could. And it was just like, this This is great for Full Constructed, because like, we pretty much established that Full Constructed is just like, everything is broken and f like, that's just like, that's the, the <laughs> easiest explanation of it. Oh my gosh, that should be the tagline for anything. That's amazing. It's the easiest explanation for Full Construct. It's just like, you know what? Let it be broken. Like, it's fine. Like, so like, we look at Titan 1 very, very seriously of like, how we want it to be and how we want it to present it. It, it is like this, this format that we created from date, like from like a, a very like, it, it was just like a random conversation that I had with Scott with one day about like, how can we make the game different? And, like, from that conversation, it's led to, you know, here we are nine months later. I think the first I, I think the first event for Titan 1 was in September uh, for one of my one-day events. But, like, it, it, it's just, like, when you look at a card like Mission Briefing, it's so easy to go, oh, it's an instant card. Uh, aggro decks need it, or this deck needs it, or that deck needs it. And it's, like, it's just not true. Like, it, it, like green is the most undervalued but overpowered pip in the game like by far and it's just not even close that like almost if you really go back and you look at wave two and the cards that were printed in wave two like some of those cards should have never been printed and i'm talking like even like nobles blasters and scoundrels blaster 
probably should have never been printed. Like, there's just so much value on a card that you know at any point in the game you can get. It's so powerful. Th that's it. It's the, tu it's the tutor mechanic for Transformers. Obviously, Magic the Gathering is laden with cards that search right. your deck for this, right. search well, your deck Well, yeah, for tutors. And I, I, I can respectfully tell you that the creators of this game never wanted tutors in the game. I I will never forget my first conversation with them where I like had mentioned a demonic tutor, and like literally I can't tell you how against it they were. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny you say that, isn't yeah. it, Lee? Because We've got a yes, that's yes, very tutorous, but I think it's that start that you you it's it's st it started it as a tutor. Started and we all as said a no, tutor. Lee. We told you no. And people said like, no. no, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna get on my soapbox and defend <laughs> it, and then I immediately got shot down. And I can definitely say I was late to the party on our card creation. I can be honest with that. Uh, but yeah, no, I feel I feel like the funniest thing is some of the things you said there, Dan, I never honestly thought about putting mission briefing in Combined X. The only thing I use mission briefing for is mainly Bombshell Wave 2, but I'm a filthy casual uh, and he loves cards. And how I built it, uh, when you can brainstorm and get your whole team out and about, you know, he can KO characters and smile and it's great. But then your opponent's like, screw you, buddy. I don't like you anymore, Lee. I'm not going to talk to you for two weeks. That person <laughs> knows who they are. They know who they are in our group. <laughs> and it's all jest and banter. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's like Dan said, though. Mission briefing is just pure value. Like, like you know, Blaster, Soundwave. Both of them fart out guys in bot mode. It's value. You know, you know kind of digressing away from, from the ATP matter. But you look at, like the Bayformer stuff that they're doing, like I'm running a Shartacon build at the moment with their judges, they start in bot mode. Mission briefing is value. It is just value. So it's good. Like when you say a card is appearing in those sort of numbers, it's like, is it an issue? And yeah, you've decided it was. And and off it, off it goes into obscurity, apart from like you say, full constructed where everything goes into the Wild West. So, you know, that's cool. And speaking of the Wild Wild West, we're going to take a short intermission break from this podcast. So Dan, Dave, go grab a beer or some water and chill because we're going to talk a little bit about the Turbo Revenue Old Punks for a second. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're about to see a trailer for an upcoming character that we're going to release as a promo to our set. As most of you know, our set is only going to be battle cards and stratagems, but we're releasing a character uh, as a thank you and a bit of a sneak peek to certain things we want to do in the future. So audio listeners, listen out for some of the audio because, well, I, I, I'm going to tell you, YouTube and you guys might get a kick out of it. So without further ado, let's drop this trailer and then we'll get straight back into One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall. Gentlemen, is the first female ninja robot. I have named her Nightbird. Nightbird. What is a ninja? Nightbird. What is a ninja? Nightbird. What is a ninja? So, with that being said, I'm looking at the time. I love my friend Dan, but I also know that 
you guys out there love Dan from the sounds of it because of how many freaking questions we've got from you guys. You did a ruddy good job. Good job, guys. So we're going to talk a little bit about ATP4, uh, digressing into it. And we've got some questions as well, which basically are, ba- uh, are very, very asking questions about ATP4 as well. So there's going to be some stuff like shooting at us, shooting at Dan and stuff like that. And then we're going to have a time where Dan can ask us questions and stuff. And then I think we'll wrap this uh, lovely podcast yeah. up. In there, a there is a horde of questions. It is, man. It really I feel is like it's funny horde. enough we brought up Sharktacons. This is what I feel like with these questions right now, dude. <laughs> it's the Sharktacon <laughs> yeah, horde at your the, door, Dan. It is, dude. They're all just knocking, <laughs> like slowly, just like, ah, oh, Dan's coming on the podcast. Let's get all the questions in. That's what it felt like. <laughs> this is it. Dave, do you want to kick it off? Because there's a lot of cool stuff that's been introduced in ATP4, which kind of has creeped up in these questions. Yeah, there's there's a lot. So I'm just getting back to the questions. It's huge. And, uh, it's a ginormous document. I'm doing the same thing. And it, you <laughs> know, it's, across the, it's across the entire community as well. So we've got, obviously, um, ATP stalwarts that play regularly in the event and obviously want to sort of get an insight into the design process. They just like to pick on me. That's all it is. <laughs> well, this is it. But it makes it interesting. It makes it interesting. So, and, and obviously, we, we wanted to talk about ATP4, but I think this set of questions is very good for talking about ATP4 anyway. So rather than, like, crossing the same ground again. Um, so starting off with, you know, the first question, it's kind of broken into, what, one, two, three, four, or three parts. So this is from, from Richard Wyatt. Uh, and it says the legend mode characters LMCs, and I'm sure Lee will bring up a couple of examples on the there screen now for those that are watching on YouTube, because it's a really unique thing that the that's coming in ATP4. Uh, it says that the legend mode characters and the accompanying arise mechanic are majorly thematic. So my question is split on that front. One, Dan, do you have a personal favourite of the ATP4 LMCs? If so, what? about it makes it so special and i feel as well to add something onto rich's question what is the whole idea behind this arise mechanic as well because obviously we talked about it you guys bought in sturdy as a keyword obviously arise seems to be a thing uh, in this set so dan it gives you a good ex a uh, bit of a, a platform as well to explain that keyword and all that fun stuff yeah um so arise it, arise was something that got decided on incredibly late in the design for ATP3. It was like one of those things where it's like, all right, we're in dead time. We have like 95% of the set done. We're kind of on the last couple things. What are we going to dick around with? And it was like, we had this character with Orion Pax that brought in a Battlefield Legend. I believe Lee might, you might have, I think you, you were definitely around for that card. I played him a ton. And when you said he weren't coming in the set, I was like, yep, just played the prices Right sound right there. I was really upset because I was like, I never play Battlefield Legend. This guy makes me want to play him. Like, I was like, oh, but you said there's better better things coming. And by God, yeah, there was. What really what really had happened was like we had we'd almost stumbled into the concept, basically, where it was like Scott had this idea and design of like how we wanted to bring back Optimus Battlefield Legend. Because obviously in ATP 1, we were not we were unable to create a stratagem for Optimus Prime that we had even thought made him remotely relevant in the metagame, right? Like, it's just, like, everything we did, we threw so many things at the wall, and it was just, like, we just couldn't do it. We just could not make one of the best characters and most iconic characters through, like, four waves of the game playable. Like, that's how far Wave 5 took us. Like, it's just, like, that's how far Wild 5 took us that we just couldn't do it. Like, everything we did, it just never felt like this guy was ever going to be a respectable character to play. So, Scott, you know, is very attached to Optimus Prime, 
and he came up with this character design. It was just like, oh, this is a really cool idea, and you know, it it was fine. It it made sense in the design aspect of how he was trying to do it and things like that. But it was just like somewhere along the line, it just came to this point it was like we could do better, right? Like, and that's that's really what happened. It was just like, could we, you know, do this character this way and you know fine tune it and make it balance more than it is right now yeah we probably could have but the concept somewhere along the mode somewhere along the way came up of this legend like that was like it was like this icon right like that's what kind of came into our minds it was like well if we're gonna do that then we probably shouldn't include it in atp3 because it would make it would look really really weird to have like this one character with this new mode and no, nothing really based around it. So, like, that's really what happened. was, like, we had this idea for Orion Pax to turn into Optimus Prime at the end of ATP3. And we just decided, like, probably, like, three or, like, probably, like, three, two and a half, three weeks out. We're, like, all right, we're going to remove this from testing. It's not going to go forward. And we're just going to, we're going to start here in ATP4. So, like, we finished up, I think, January, like, 30th or 31st for ATP3. Like, that's when we sent it to the printer. We sent it to the printer, like, February 5th, I think. And on February 7th, we had eight of us in a room playtesting Legends. And we had four Legends. Well, I think we had three Legends on day one being tested, which was Galvatron, Optimus Prime, and Rodimus Prime. Uh, Starstream came uh, probably about three, four weeks into ATP4 testing. Uh, so, like, and the whole point of it was just to just, A... To make sure Arise made sense, right? Like, that was the most important thing. Arise is a very, very... Obviously, it's a brand new mechanic. It's a brand new keyword. It brings all sorts of new questions into the game. And not only did it bring it to the game, it brings it to us, right? Because, like, we have to know what we want Arise to do. And how Arise would make sense. That's the most important thing, right? Because, like, you could read that text box, and if it's not written correctly then you're not going to understand it, and that's not what we want. We want everyone to be able to read the text box and go, okay, I kind of get this, right? Like, that's all you can really ask for. You can never ask for someone to understand something 100%, like, especially if they're brand new or if they've never seen it or anything like that. It can definitely be confusing because you're like, well, there's nothing like this in the game. I don't understand, yada, yada, yada. But, like, as long as you can read it and get to a point where you're like, oh, okay, I get it, and then, like, you can play a game, and then once you play the game and you see it happen, you're like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it, right? That's that's what Arise was. Arise was very, very difficult. Um, I believe we said on our Protocols podcast that it was like 14 iterations of that paragraph. <laughs> of the reminder text of Arise, it was it was changed 14 times to get it to where it is now and where we're happy with it. I had to read it a few times. Well, the first time I saw it, I was like, let me read this again because I need to make sure that I get it. And yeah, like... It's sweet. It's cool. <laughs> like super sweet. It's, 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 it's really really different you know um because they're transforming but not in the regular way so normally transform they turn to a car or a plane or whatever they're transforming into a more experienced version of themselves or a new version of themselves or in star screens poor case as a ghost <laughs> <laughs> poor 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 git <laughs> it was difficult to deliver that concept to the playtesters, right? Like, because we knew what we wanted and we knew why we wanted it, but it was a it was important to make the playtesters understand 
why it was going to be this way and and how it was going to happen that way um so that was a really like i will say for the playtesting of atp4 there were more like just like random spur of the moment middle of the day playtesting like uh meetings i would say like there was like i remember there was like like a random friday in april where i'm not kidding it was like 2 30 in the afternoon and i was shopping around getting golf stuff because i just recently got into golf and like the entire time i'm doing this it was probably like an hour and a half of a conversation about atp4 playtesting with the rise triggers and it was just like literally just the middle random middle of the day friday where like apparently none of us had anything going on that day so we were able to just have an hour and a half conversation about legends and about a rise and about everything that we're trying to do like it was just like those things for this set to get a rise to work happened so much more than they did in the past because we knew we just knew going into it that like the mechanic was difficult it was so much effort and i uh, i'll never say it enough the playtesters without them it would just be impossible like absolutely impossible <laughs> so what would be your favorite then so my favorite i, I i'm gonna answer with two my favorite, without a doubt, is Galvatron. Uh, 100%. I love that card. I'm honestly... I don't think you guys have even seen that card yet because Christian still hasn't officially spoiled it. Good job. Good job, broski. Good job. <laughs> so Galvatron's definitely my favorite, but uh, my biggest one, and which is the love-hate relationship, is Orion Pack slash Optimus Prime. Because um, I'll be the first to admit right here, uh, I threw out 70% of the set design of ATP4, I was entirely against Legend Mode. This is me, right? Just me. I was 100% against it. Because every iteration of We Have It, like, whenever we thought we fixed it, it was just like, nope, this is broken. Like, nope, this is broken. Like, nope, this is too powerful. Like, every game I watched, I'm just like, my god. I'm like, guys, they're just, it's too much. Like, we're at, we're putting too much emphasis on this ability and, like, the entire, I'm telling you, it took... It was probably until about mid-April where it was just like finally we we turned the corner and got to a point where I was way more comfortable with the characters. But Optimus Prime, without a doubt, was the worst of it. I mean, like 100%, it was like every game I watched, you know, there was a point in time where Optimus Prime was 9 stars, right? So like now you guys know he's 11 stars. So there was a point in time where he was 9 stars and like you could pair him with like Perceptor with a Grax on it. And then just have a five star. So like, and like your nine star Optimus Prime was just like, uh, like the most broken twelve star character in the game. That's right, he's nine stars. But I'm telling you, he was a twelve star character. Um, so like, it was just like I was so like, it was so hard for me to like get over this concept. I'm like, guys, like we just can't print this character. I was like, we just cannot do it. Like I will, like I am 100% the guy. I am, I am literally the person that like I. You have to get past me for a card to get made at the end of the day. Like, if I if I look at a card and I'm just like, absolutely not, I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with Richard Wyatt of, like, him going, this is this. I'm like, nope. And he goes, all right, we'll drop it. Like, that's how fast it can happen. It's like, but to his credit and to Scott's credit, they fought me tooth and now to make these characters see through the entire PlayStation. But, like, Optimus Prime was without a doubt the one that went through and insurmountable amount of changes but this is like the first 11 star real true autobot that we've created all like from scratch that uh is just really interesting centerpiece it creates 
really cool deck building because of the Autobot thing. So, like, you get to see cards, um... Oh, my God, I can't even remember the name of the card right now. The card that gives an Autobot Brave, like, it's an Autobot card that gives one of your characters Brave. I feel really bad that I can't. It's a secret action. Step forward. Step forward, right. Step forward. So, like, a card like that that, like, has basically never seen play ever is, like, a three-of staple in that deck because it's an Autobot card, and it gives... It gives him Brave as a Ryan pack, so you can arise. Um, and the fact that he is Optimus Prime as a Ryan pack makes, you know, your Ion Blasters playable and like things like that. Like, I just love the way that that card went from me absolutely hating it for like two and a half months, probably, to by the time we got done with it, I'm like, I'm really happy with how this turned out. So I think Optimus Prime's got to be my 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 100% favorite now. But in playtesting, Galvatron was just incredibly fun and i i cannot wait to see all of the galvantron decks that people come up with i can't wait for people to play with heralds because heralds is a force to be reckoned with and it is so much fun to play <laughs> yeah with the cards that have already been spoiled i've literally been on like ho well i can i can bleep myself holy <laughs> cyclonus like serious boys <laughs> like wow <laughs> he's very good but I'm, I'm glad that richard is uh, fighting tooth and nail just saying is all yeah I, I, there are so many conversations that happen between me and wyatt or me wyatt and scott where it's just like like i will just be like absolutely not and most of the time Wyatt will be like yep you got it you're right and then there was just this time like they just they were they were like nope we have to do this we're gonna do it we're gonna figure it out and they they the, we we stuck it through and and we got the cards that we got so you know I believe the next the next question is asking you asking you guys about it, right? I think so. Why is the next question? It is Lee and Dave. Do the two of you have any characters slash major story moments you think would be great to receive potential LMC treatment? Oh so, yeah, I've got mine. What was you? you well, you got it. You far away, dude. I'm gonna set the scene. You're reading more than meets the eye. You have read the epic epic saga which is megatron on 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 trial for his war crimes he's turned away from the decepticon cause he's become an autobot spoilers guys read the comic it's been out for years so jog on <laughs> there is a force to be reckoned with still out in the decepticon cause they are murdering people left right and center spoilers again guys grimlock is no more that was incredibly shocking there is a guy out there called tarn who is a a demigod there is a guy who kind of turns from his evil ways called Megatron. Megatron versus Tarn would be a phenomenal LMC treatment. That fight, I'm just saying. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna let you guys read it. All I'm saying is, there's a card that we spoiled uh, called Enhanced. Uh, what was it? What's the card again, Dave? Because I always get the come. I'll just call it Tarn's gun, but technically we called it not Tarn's gun. It's Enhanced Fusion Cannon. So it's Megatron. Enhanced Fusion Cannon. It's Megatron's new Fusion Cannon that Ratchet gives him. I'm just saying all is all. That might be a spoiler what the outcome might be, but by God, the fight and some of the things Megatron says. I know Dave has currently just like read this stuff as well. It was kind of like, holy crap, that was incredible. I'm just saying, Tarn versus Megatron would be mine guaranteed pick i think yeah i think for me like one of the kind of iconic parts of g1 because that's where my main love for transformers still lies um season three and four are a bit pants but one storyline that i really liked was where they find optimus prime 
and he's dead and he's kind of all beaten up and the Quintessons are messed with him and like, you know, that sort of dark awakening where he's all like, half his eyes are missing and all that sort of stuff and he's got one arm. Like the drummer from Def Leppard and all that, you know. Um, like, Love just ha having that version of Prime and then having him be reborn and when that's when Rodimus ceases to be Rodimus Prime and he goes back to being Hot Rod but Prime comes back in season four. That would be a really cool kind of thing I think that could be done in the future obviously you've only just done packs into prime so we've got a ways to go before you get to it'd that be point. really funny but I would like to be honest I would like to see that yeah I would like to see that at some point in the future because I dead Autobot I, <laughs> yeah. yeah like just a zombie Autobot dead prime dead prime being reborn with the power of the matrix and all that sort of stuff and coming back to lead the Autobots just like it says at the end of Transformers the movie that'd be awesome and also we get like well, I know I'm going to get a lot of shit from the community now for saying this, but Rodimus Prime Pussy like actually becomes a proper cool character in Hot Rod again. Just saying it's all guys. So get that controversy out there, guys. We love it on this podcast. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I think both of them are sick. I think it's really cool because you can go really thematic. And obviously, Dan, you know, me and Dave, Filthy Casuals, we love theme. We love theme. Like, you've just got ideas with this whole Arise idea with just like going looking our chops like, oh, that would be really thematic. That's really cool. And I know that's one thing going into our set that we went with was, was fun and theme was one of the, the two things going into our set. So Okay, so question question number two. Three. Um, for, for, seven? Yeah, nine? Uh, that's what I'm feeling 17, right 17, 25,000. So <laughs> this one's from Christian, Christian Young. Um, he's a staple of your events. He's been tearing up recently as well. He's my boy. He's always so, my pick. I love that he won guy. Back, he won back-to-back -back events. No, he's yeah, my he's, boy. He's love it. Love it. He's doing good. And this is a great question as well. So this says, uh, what battle cards do you think didn't see a lot of play in the previous formats that might see more play now after ATP4? Energy transfer, stealthiness, bravery, point position are four cards um, and step forward uh, and maybe hiding spot. Maybe, probably not because of the because of the protocol that we made. So probably not hiding spot. But any card that grants brave or stealth, uh, and then on top of that, um, battle scan analysis. I believe it's called. I, I think that's the card that. Uh, oh yeah, another one. The green black pip from wave three. It's, it's battle scan or something like that. And then uh, spy satellite, spy satellite uplink. Spy satellite. Yeah. All of those cards that have anything to do with brave and stealth are all absolutely phenomenal with legend mode characters. Uh, so any of those cards, like, so many of those cards have just never seen play. I mean, Spy Side of Lottery and Blink has seen a, f a fair amount of play uh, in our tournament scene, you know, for the last couple seasons. It was in a lot of sideboards, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, me and Wyatt main decked one in, in our Menasaur deck in, uh, in March, uh, so it's definitely, like, it, it's not, like, un it's not unheard of to have it main decked, but in my opinion, it will probably turn into one of the most played cards uh, in the game. So they, there you go, folks. Brave and stealth are going to be a thing. But it's exciting to see because also I kind of feel like those were also traits we were talking about. How, like, irrelevant they were in meta play, but somehow since the game's kind of death and also with ATP, like, well, not ATP, but also like other fan sets as well as what Watsy did, brave and stealth kind of have come to the forefront a little bit. Like, especially like. I, I for ages was like that Megatron with Brave is trash, and I I don't know what I was smoking at the time, but I was wrong. 
very wrong. <laughs> I I've been um, I've been using more brave. It's it's a really really strong ability. If you can choose where your opponent's attack goes, it's it's good. You know, I, I, like it's funny you mentioned hiding spot. I've been running a an orange. It's only like casual jank, but like a, an orange secret action deck that funnels attacks away from pounce, and then you just go like special ops mission, spam loads of secret actions, and swing for like thirteen with with, with this cat, which is awesome. So now that's really cool. Thank you, Christian, for your question. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to blitz through these because there's so many. I think this guy is known as the 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 guy that just never stops playing Transformers on the Vector Sigma server, and that's Ogre. One thousand and sixty-eight games played to date. That's absolutely insane. He, that's that's animal. It's animal. <laughs> that is an, that is it's crazy. Absurd. Amount it's of absolutely games. absurd. I, I it's just amazing. That, that, that's like zealousness of a whole new level. Um, but Ogar has a question for me. It says, this might be too big a question, but I'm curious to hear Dan's thoughts on how the new set will impact the meta of each of the three formats ATP tournaments regularly use. Full Constructed, Titan 1, and Junkion. So yeah, what do you think, dude? So, the Legend Moon characters in general are a big enough shake-up to the game to where I believe it's going to... It's definitely going to shake up Full Constructed and Titan 1. Uh, I don't know, I think we did mention this on the podcast, but the there is a key difference between the formats again, with Titan 1 and Full Constructed. In Titan 1, you will not, it will, you will not be legal to have a Legend and a Titan Master character. So you won't be able to have them both, you have to pick between one of them, so it kind of sticks with that one concept. So like, oh, that's cool. I've heard it say like people are like, oh, it's Titan slash Legend 1 or whatever, like, no, we're still going to call it Titan 1, but the concept is in Full Constructed, you know, you can take your Rodimus Prime and you can give him a Perceptor or a Horrible, or not a Horrible, like a Perceptor or any other Autobot character that you want. You can take uh, you can take Megatron or Galvatron and put him with Fangry and and mm. uh, and Horrible if you want to, and like do all those awful things. Um, but in in Titan One, you're not gonna be able to do those things. So like that's gonna create a difference right there because like obviously the best version of a legend mode character in full construct it is going to be forced to be different in titan one because you can't play the same lineup the big thing is uh i would say the hardest it's not necessarily the hardest but because of the lack of events in junkion they have been the most difficult to change and it's also because since our set sizes are between you know 20 and 24 cards not every card is common so not every card is impacting um, the format, right? So, Junkion's always been the hardest one where... Now, granted, we've actually... We've succeeded this doing this in a big way where through the first few months of Junkion, you had, you know, blue cards that... Or blue decks that were just reigning supreme over the entire metagame. But in this season, uh, since ATP 3, like, orange-black 4-wide decks have been basically the best decks in the format. So, like, we did... We did kind of like flip the format a little bit there, so now the goal is obviously to flip it back. But the real problem with Junkion is the... It's just too easy to play four wide decks. So like our goal in this format was to try and create characters that incentivize not always playing four wide decks, which is why like Thundercracker and like Bumblebee are the stat lines that they are and the powers that they are. And like they bring mm. unique things to the format, uh, especially now because of the Ramjet stratagem. So you can actually play a full... Uh, team in Junkion of Seekers, which was something we were trying to do over the last couple sets as well. Um, so yeah, so when you start looking at those things, 
you know, Junkion has the ability to be changed dramatically just because we introduced characters at a certain star cost that didn't really exist before. Like, you know, uh, when we released Sea Spray as a six star, that card is just blatantly better than every other six star in, at a common, and like. And he's probably better than most sevens, and even arguably really most is. eights. Like he's so, so strong. So in a junkie on format, where it's just like this card is obviously above the curve, it's so easy to go, oh well, like I can just play this character as my centerpiece, and then I can just play some support characters around him. Like it's so easy to do that. So now, granted, we knew that going in, we knew he was going to be that powerful, but now it was just a matter of like, okay, well, how do we how do we continue on? supporting Junkion in the way we want to and then make the format feel different. Junkion's been the most difficult because we only do one or two events for Junkion in a given season. So because of that, the data that we gather for it is limiting, uh, especially if like one of the events is a one-day event and grant, like generically our one-day events are anywhere between like 10 and 16 people. So it's not like the full 30 that we normally would get. So it's just less information in general. Um, so it's definitely more difficult to, to change Junkion. But for Full Constructed and for Titan 1... Those those metagames, in my honest, humble opinion, are 100% going to be flipped upside down, and that's what we want, right? Like we want we 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 want that to happen. I mean, it took us three sets to basically say Quake is not the best deck in the game anymore, right? Like like that's <laughs> that's how good Quake is. Like that's how good Sky Shadow is. Like it took three sets to get to the point where it's like we don't have to spend a obscene amount of time testing against quake and sky shadow because like we now have diversified the metagame enough to where there are hard checks to quake and sky shadow decks that they're they're there exist they're in the metagame but they aren't the entire metagame right like that's yeah that's what wave five was and honestly even like wave five plus atp one realistically yeah we introduced a bunch of cards that were really good but like sky shadow was still the best character in the game by far like it wasn't close it's perfectly to say he was what what, what do we normally say Dave on our podcast, like Quake and Sky Shadow. He's dumb. Yeah, yeah. He's dumb. He's, yeah, he's dumb. dumb. You're dumb. He's dumb. dumb. So it took Super a really, really long time to like, just it, like I said, like I, I wouldn't even say that we have, I, we have definitely not made a character that's as good as Sky Shadow. Like that's a fact. Like that's just not true because that dude is just bonkers, ridiculous on just about every phase of the game that he's in. Like at the seven star. Sky Shadow Plane's insane. At the 15 star, Sky Shadow's insane. Ominous, at the end of the game, is insane. Like, at all levels of the game, the cards are just above the curve. So, like, none of the things none of the things we've done match that. So, like, he is still, without a doubt, a very, very... Like, Sky Shadow Dark Mount deck that was that's seen top eight... Like, multiple top eights and a few wins, actually, in, in some of our events. Like, that deck is still a dominant deck in the metagame, right? Like, it's still very good. It's obviously very good into the Autobot Legends. Like, you're still just, like, I get to bolt your dude for three. And, like, if, if that's the way you're going to kill a, a Legend mode out of combat, so, like, it's not, a, like, a wasted attack, etc., like, that's going to be really, really strong still. So, like, in Full Constructed, it's still important that, like, these cards are good. They're, they're definitely, hey, if someone wants to play Sky Shadow this month, it's it's not a bad choice. He's still really good. I, I played that. I've played with that um, Sky Shadow Straxus Lives Darmal deck. It's so good. Um, we we did that um, for a tournament Tuesday. So yeah, he's still really nuts. So yeah, I, I, hopefully that answers Ogre question enough. That I think, I think, and I just think it's this set more than any other set in the past is going to change things because the four. The four legend modes themselves are interesting, and people are going to want to dabble with those. 
and then the additional support, the supporting cast, I would like to call the rest of the set, is still creating these new deck designs that people are gonna want to play, and they are competitive. So like, I believe that like I like this is this set is probably gonna be our most impactful of all of them across every metagame, in my opinion. Okay, cool. We kind of touched on this already. It's from Thomas Gemti. What up, Gemti? Here we go. He says, "Will Brave and Stealth see a bigger presence in ATP four and?" their related battle cards and as a follow-up what favorite bagel are you or as some people like to call them bagels weird i know i have been told that if i answer the bagel part wrong i'm being defriended on facebook but that's besides oh, the wow point. um no <laughs> bagel talk bagel banter. bagel banter <laughs> runs deep yeah no so the uh we, we've touched on it stealth and brave i think are going to be some of the most important keywords to date in the metagame. Uh, absolutely do I think Brave and Stealth are going to be incredibly impactful. So, so the, the, the really important yeah, part, though, is course. what flavor bagel? Is the bagel, uh, is the bagel on, just being dodged right now, or what is it? Like, <laughs> what's going uh, down? So personal favorite of me is the Asiago Cheddar Bagel. Um or the American Dave, that's or, some sort of American weird. Or thing. the jalapeno cheddar bagel, whichever of those that any particular chain of bagel places would have, uh, they're my favorites for sure, and that's what I would say that I would align myself with. I have already been told that I am not allowed to use the everything bagel because that's just not fair. It's like cheating. So, yeah. Dave, what's your go-to bagel? Like we don't, we just have full Englishes here. Like bagels are a bit spicy for us. That was a bit weird when I when I first, when I first saw the like I saw a Gatwick Airport. Oh god, when I used to work there, I'm like, what on earth is a bagel? It's, a bagel. it's like it's a donut. <laughs> it is, but it's not. And <laughs> um, my favorite, my favorite bagel, <laughs> my favorite bagel is the New York Deli. I love pastrami. I love pickles. I love mustard. I love that shit. Um, put it on. Fair, mate. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with a classic. You can't beat it. Cream cheese, bit of salmon, a little bit of pepper on that. Boy. Oh, so lox. So lox. We call that lox. Okay. An American thing right there, there Dave, go. again. There we go. Like American thing right there. <laughs> or if I was going to be the worst British person ever, and he'd just give me like, I don't know, cheese, like bacon, sausage, and egg. Like that sounds like the most dangerous, amazing combo. That, that, that sounds like you die after. So it's me. funny. Yeah, you will. Like... It's like ends five years off your life. So it's really, years. really funny because like I probably eat that like that's not even a bagel right like that's just that's what you put on the bagel right that's a bagel sandwich so like i probably eat one of those like i don't know once a week i'm so. telling you that's pretty much like a, a bagel to us is basically like toast honestly. no i know it's <laughs> funny because like uh even i mean even in the states uh like you could there was a time where like for my job i traveled and this was like literal 14 years ago the first time i went to california i was in a los angeles i was in los angeles and i walked into a mcdonald's and i said hey can i get a sausage and cheese on a bagel and literally the person looked at me like what the fuck is a bagel like they didn't even know like like they didn't even know they were like they were like they were like they were like what and i'm like sausage and cheese on a bagel they're like uh muffin and i'm like oh okay for us though a bagel for us brits like going again i like pull pull out the british thing here it's probably doorstep loaf that's probably what we have which not is an idea a th no clue a thicker cut of a slice of bread dan that is called a door stopper because it can stop doors ah. and that's what it would be like we would just have a yeah what kind of bread you want you're like i'll take a doorstep uh, bacon sarni and you know there's way more bread than actual substance in it but you're just like Yep, this thing, I can use it to build houses if I want to. That's how amazing it is. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we just have to have Dan on all the time and just, like, teach us about the word bagel. 
<laughs> or like whatever. Some of the things he said, I was just like, this is quantum physics right now. I don't understand. <laughs> All right, Dave, next question. I feel like bagels have been like okay. a lot of love on this podcast already. And we're not even sponsored by any bread company. Go for it. So moving on, back to the Transformers, peeps, because this is what you, you tune in for. <laughs> Um, this next question is from Cameron um, Etashami. Etashami, yeah. His name? Arbitrary hero. So he's big within the community as well. Does a lot of work yeah, for the community. So it's nice to see him, see him chime in here. And this is a really cool question as well. Um, what's the plan for Plan? Probably the most maligned mechanic in the game that didn't really do anything. Um, any way to make that keyword relevant without creating a massive draw engine monstrosity? I wouldn't say that there is a plan for Plan. I, I, uh, I mean, like we've, I, I, I want to say the only part we have with plan is Starscream from ATP three. Plan's a weird keyword. Uh, it's, it's strong when it's strong, and most of the time it's, it's just draw a card, right? Like it's just, it'd be interesting if it actually didn't have the choice. Like if you had to do it, I think there would be more synergy that you could build into it. But the fact that, like, you just have the choice to, like, never have to do it, you're just like, you know, eh. Yeah, poor plan. Or poor planning. <laughs> poor, plan. Know, poor plan. Poor plan. Yeah. I guess they didn't have a long-term yeah. plan, huh? Wee! Lads. <laughs> hashtag get those puns. No, has hashtag dad jokes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> dad jokes. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so next next question is back to Richard and Lee. Ask the question. Anyway, he says ATP has released several waves, each with their own Keystone cards and metagame impacts. Uh, during ATP 4, what were some of the major things the design and development team had to work around and adjust things around? And I think we've talked a little bit about it, but like, is there anything that really like... I would say stand out as major major things as rich was saying yeah i mean arise is the easy standout here and what i can say for arise is the biggest thing for us was uh character or like yeah your character lineup was so influx of what we were allowing each individual legend mode to use basically we want this ability on this character we want it to be thematic with the trigger to legend mode how do we make that work and how do we make it how do we differentiate it from the other characters and the other legend modes and I, I would say that that was the most difficult was just deciding how we wanted those that mechanic to work and why it was important for it to be different and create different deck lists in general so I think that's the end of the first episode because the next next batch of questions is going to be an <laughs> entire episode of itself. It is pretty much we, right we, now this, happening. It's, this man, it's a this man has asked a big set of questions, it's and the question is, what... we don't know if his name's real. I I don't know if his name's real, and I apologise if it is. <laughs> so yes, but this, to be honest, this, set of this is his name, Donald McDonald. If it's real, I apologise, and I am sincerely apologising. But in England, if you were called Donald McDonald, you get railed at school, like bullied, <laughs> as we call it. Like Jesus, like seriously, bruv. I'm sorry. Oh man, poor guy. Uh, Don Donald, thank you. You have you have given us. Um, we, we love uh, you anyway. Seven, if you're trolling us, that's yeah. sad. But also Huge. at the same time, thanks for all these questions. Like some, Huge. Of, some of these questions are. Huge great. shout out to Donald. I I really really enjoyed reading these list of questions. I was like, wow, he hit. 
so many good things like a huge shout out true you hit him out of the ballpark absolutely so it's a seven seven questions in in one question so i will i will i will answer them as quickly and petite and as fair as possible so donald your first question was will new combiners such as computron defensor bruticus and abominus eventually be a part of the atp card set easiest answer is never say never right um that's the easiest answer. Uh, the the biggest thing for us and why you haven't seen more combiners in general is something I've said a bunch of. Uh, it you, you we all have the ability to want to create any card we want, right? Like we have that ability. We can like we can always want to make this. We can want to make that. But for us and the meta game that we're creating, it always comes down to what is needed. And right now with the level of combiners that we have, or like. I don't even like consider it just the combiners. I consider it basically any of the solo decks, like so the Metroplex, the Fortress Maximus, and then the combiners. Like there are realistically four or five playable solo decks, and there's only so much of that that you really want in a given metagame. So that's the reason why you know uh, the Predacons, for example, they went through two waves of testing through ATP that like we have. We have like probably like ninety five percent of a Predacon uh, like design that we could release, but it's like our metagame just doesn't need another combiner. It just doesn't. Like it's just like we have enough of them right now. So if we get to a point in the game where like, all right, it's time for another one, any one of these characters that you announce could definitely see how like it could definitely happen. Sort of an answer to that from like a casual player's perspective, and I know we're we're not really sort of talking about the other community groups, but there are other community groups out there. And I know the arc of Dunbruticus. So if you if you want if you if you want a fun Bruticus to play, um, uh, Donald, go 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 and go and play that. So so yeah, I hope that answered that part of the question. So I feel, part, I feel can part, I can I quickly chime? Yeah, in? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, I go. feel like you wouldn't be able to make a combiner and give it justice because everyone has their favorites. Like if you if you go through like Compatron and Defensor Bruticus and Abominus, like if you look at those that you've mentioned, Donald's like. I love Abominus because he just looks badass. He's really cool. He's got some weird-looking robots as well, which is cool. Some people might love Defensor, and like the first thing I think of is like, give him all the armor in the world so you can't kill him. You know, and Compatron must be a specialist and then break the game a little bit because he was a smarter one out of all of them. See, I don't think you could really <laughs> like give Combiners justice because I feel like everyone has their own. Like we all wanted Devastator to be great, and what <laughs> did Watsy do? They gave us a depressing Devastator. Ru ruined it. If you think about all the combiners that are in the game, like it is kind of crazy. Like Predaking, everyone loves Predaking. I don't understand why. Like he's dumb as hell, but he's powerful, cool, you know. And then you've got Superion. You know, you've got everyone's got their favorites. And I feel like to give a combiner justice, you will then be like, well, this is what it's good at, so we've got to figure that out, and then figure that out. And I feel like some groups won't have the ability to just go. Yeah, I'm just going to take seven months to figure out why combiners are trash and how to make them balanced and amazing. Because, you know, who would have thought Stunticons would be able to have all the card draw in the world and all this other craziness when all they really do is be dicks in car parks <laughs> and summon swords out of nowhere? Like, seriously, like that sword doesn't come. Where does that sword come from? Like, it, even Wes couldn't tell me. And Wes knows everything about Transformers. I think, like you said, though, it's very hard to balance them. Because people will have expert, and particularly from a competitive standpoint, that's the difference, isn't it? Like you can make you can make something janky and fun, but that's not ATP's mission statement. Right, it's right. not what they're they're you know it's not what you guys are about. Um, certainly, from from what I can tell from from the cards you're releasing, it's like 
you know, you wanted to bring, make them relevant, so you gave us the Menosaur one. And that's where I feel it's interesting, because it's, like, relevant or powerful. Like, that's going to be really hard to do, especially in okay. the world of, like, well, these guys are really strong on their own, but remember, they combine into a bigger, bigger robot that should be powerful and incredible. And it's kind of hard it to balance. It gets hard to balance. Yeah, hard to balance. Yeah, hard to balance. Hard to balance. So, so thanks for part one. So part two. Will mercenaries ever receive a stratagem similar to heroic spotlight? And I'm guessing this is talking about ATP. So is ATP got a spotlight in the works for, for Mercs? I mean, we've already tried... Uh... I, we've already tried like something that would work with it. For us, it's been pretty common that if we're gonna make a stratagem for something like that, we're gonna give it a reason to be made. I mean, like, I guess it's hard to argue that you wouldn't make it for black cards, right? Like, it would be black star cards, and it would, yeah, yeah. In the world of ATP, there isn't a black star card yet that's relevant, and there, like, I could make this card, right? But like. There also isn't any all mar mercenary decks, so you have to look at that as well, um, and that's with good reason because it's best. The best cards for mercenaries are used to buff your Decepticons or Autobots. So like, it, it, it just it, thematically, it wouldn't even be a good card. It just it wouldn't even be good because you'd have to like you'd have to uptick that where it's like okay, I will make this card, and then I will just make a, a bunch of mercenary cards that only work when you have all mercenaries in play, and you can do all those things, but realistically with the mercenaries that are in the game it never would have worked because all of them are overstatted and over or either understated and overcosted or the opposite where they're just like they're undercosted but their bounties are bad or one of their sides are bad like there's so many things that are wrong with the original mercenaries that like it would take i would say a couple like a real committed effort into making an all mercenary deck playable but no, Donald, Donald, if you're new to the podcast, you know that Dave and me are the Switzerland of uh, the Transformers community, and we're gluttons for punishment. We really uh, because are. Because we play with every set. Uh, but there is kind of a spotlight, I think, in the Bayformers way... Like, when we devoured that set, which was... The marathon. Yep. And this is a light jog, I believe, with, uh, with Dan tonight. Uh, and I believe it was called Enterprising Spotlight, which they basically did one, which was a, a Merc one, which I think I'm going to drop on my channel at some point, because I'm... I'm combining all the sets. I'm using a Snapdragon from ATP. I'm using a card, shall we say, secretly from our <laughs> set. <laughs> whistle, whistle, whistle. But hey, you're going to get something cool. Um, but that's what Dave and me do. We love uh, to be gluttons for punishment. But we love everybody. We love, we love everyone. Everybody. We're Switzerland. We give the world chocolate. It's great. Okay, moving on. I think Dan's answered that from, from the ATP perspective. So the next one is it's your turn like you ask this one do it donald do you're insane for this question just being honest but i love you really bro right uh with health being the king stat will emissary ever receive a buff through a battle card or a stratagem uh, probably not <laughs> <laughs> what 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 let's in, let insert prices right right now So the answer to that question, Donald, was no. Um, the next part is, um, are there any waves in the works to buff old cards with stratagems similar to what you guys did with ATP1? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever do an all-stratagem wave again. Um, I wouldn't say never say never, but I don't... I think that... I think you, you really handicap yourself if that's all you're going to do with a given set. Uh, and it, I, I kind of said this in the beginning of it, it's just like... 
it's really like how much is a star worth? How much is this is two star worth? I will 100% certainly tell you there will never be a zero star stratagem ever again. Um, oh man, without a doubt, that'll never happen ever again. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it, I like, I like actually the last couple sets of how we've implemented the stratagems that we have. I think that, I think they actually have more meaning to it because like we're able to target specific things that like there is a character that meets a goal and we're like, Oh, okay. Like, so, uh, in ATP four, we have the impactor stratagem and like, it really did meet a goal of ours that we wanted to hit. We're like, Oh man, we really want to find a way to make an all records team viable and do it in different ways so like that impactor stratagem being able being that catalyst for that and also being a catalyst for junkion was a big deal um so it's really important and like honestly all of our junkion stratagems i love uh it's so easy to make stratagems for junkion because it's just like you just you, you make the slightest of a nudge of a character in a given direction and it just makes it that much more playable in the format. So it's really, really easy to make uh, stratagems for the common only Junkion format. Um, and I think that that's the direction we'll probably continue to go. It's so funny you mentioned the Impact one because we had an almost identical one in the works. And we're like, well, we guess we're pulling that one then, aren't we? Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. We did. <laughs> so we, we've can because literally it was almost the same, except ours had to be Autobots only. Yeah, Autobots only. Because we, we, we look at, um, when we, obviously ours is fun and theme is our main key. So we looked at like characters that just, I feel because we're, we're so spoiled for characters that we have in, in what Watsy gave us that obviously kind of forgotten a little bit and i know you guys and other other groups have kind of pushed to the forefront with stratagems to go like now this makes them fun or playable or you know maybe relevant uh with our set we've kind of gone that's cool that's awesome let's make that work and that kind of almost killed us because there were some fun arguments of like this character needs love no this one definitely does <laughs> he's trash and they were like ah oh, well you know if, if the first wave or as we call them phases goes well Maybe we'll go back to that uh, trash uh, trash compactor and go. Oh yeah, you know that card that we were talking about. Maybe maybe that's the the best one to bring out right now. But I think that's a good way of like obviously maybe from from the looks like of what what he did uh, in wave four. Or was it wave five? I forget when they were bringing out all the stratagems. It was five. It was five. Yeah. So for in wave five, where they were going back and giving older characters possibly hey we make some playable a little bit fun. Uh, and some some were really good. Some of them are really, I think, underutilized. Like I, I like the King Starscream one a lot. Like I keep looking at that going like extra health for a star. I'm all in. That's pretty cool. Um, but some of them are kind of just like, meh. But then they're, they're, but then it's like making old cards relevant again because obviously I think we've talked it with other designers. I think Dan might agree or have his point in a second where I feel like obviously with the game shifting and where it is in Wave Five to where it ended to like characters in Wave One you want to kind of balance them out and make them come back to the forefront a little bit so it's not just like how on earth is Grimlock getting his head kicked in by Greb or Kreb or whatever or someone else like that, you know? It just doesn't make sense. Um, so just kind of like you address that with obviously ATP 1. Like Dinobots got a lot of love and it was great to see them back on the table. Like it was so much fun to see them. I, I think it's some, like stratagems are a funny thing, aren't they? Because like they're almost like errata. Yeah. In a way, they're kind of like, well, yeah. I've said this before, but like uh, when we were when we were designing Sturdy, 
and we were deciding like how sturdy would work on a on a given character or like with a given health pool or with a given stat line um how would that interact with things and like the moment you start subtracting star costs like you can very easily go and look obviously look at a card and like oh my god that card's two stars over stat yada 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 but like could you really imagine let's say like a nightbird at like six stars or at five stars like that card would just be bonkers right like it would just be absolutely bonkers right so it's just like it would be it's a very very slippery slope to alter text boxes or alter uh star cost in an in like a f quote free manner I, I that's that's the only advice i would give to anybody that's trying to do that if you were to make something that is quote unquote free there has to be a cost in the card like we, we we you know we 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 have designed a stratagem for one of our favorites like he's absolute trash so it's never going to be a a real real big factor but we had a cost when we were like okay so we can't charge a star for this but we need to put another cost on the card so there is a cost to it there's a negative impact from playing that stratagem so um we're almost we're almost um we're almost, we're almost there, there. With we're almost done with the saga things. we're getting into the one where somehow he was hiding under ice and had a whole fleet under the ice as well so it's <laughs> like you know it's getting there good <laughs> this is it so so the, the <laughs> don't talk about that film Bravner, I'll have you. Um, right, so the next question is actually really, this is a really nice question to us because a lot of the questions are about cards and stuff, but it's like, how are you guys holding up individually? I hope you, that you will not get burnt out. You know, how, how, how Dan, as, as like one of the lead design team, how do you find that balance? Because obviously you still work, you have a young family, you, you know, how do you balance that out so you don't get burnt out on the Transformers TCG? So... The Alpha Triumph Protocols were formed on July 21st. We started testing ATP-1, like, I don't know, the first or second week of August. And from that point on until now, well, until about a month ago, I like to like the second week of May, uh, I have been playtesting religiously, right? <laughs> I mean, religiously. And then when I'm not playtesting, I can 100% tell you that I spend minimum four to six hours a day discussing the design or the playtesting that others are doing. Uh, so it definitely had gotten to a point in ATP4 where for me personally, it was just like, man, I, I need to breathe, you know, like 100% need to breathe. And I think that this last, uh, it's been about a month now, like we've, we've wrapped up testing for ATP4 around may 8th 9th or 10th somewhere around that area so i haven't done any playtesting in a month zero we have not started atp5 from a playtesting standpoint yet we have we have a design we have like uh, 10 to 15 cards already ready to go uh but for me personally and looking at the playtesters as a whole like our, you know our playtester group i felt that we were we were just asking too much of people's free time and it was very very important to us to not burn out right like that's 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 just not what that's not the goal right we don't want to do that we want to continue making content and continue making development for this game um so it just felt like unlike between atp2 and atp3 where it was like sets done 
here's net set go right like it was there was no break between atp2 and abg3 it was like if there was a break it was like six days like it was just zero break this is the opposite this is the the time where we have just given to ourselves we've given to the playtesters like all right guys like this is it take your time we have a plan we know what we're gonna do um but realistically the next set is not gonna be as in-depth as the arise mechanic we're gonna purposely not do that to ourselves again so we are gonna we are gonna just play it a little more safe uh and and like just design with that in mind going man this this mechanic really hurt a lot of people's time it really really committed a lot to the to the the whole process so that's the answer is like yeah we we absolutely have taken the time this go around where we didn't take it in the last couple sets but we, like I said, as a playtesting group, we've all had a month off now. Honestly, like, we probably won't even start until, like, the first week of July. Uh, so we're probably going to take all of June off as well because it, it is important not to do it, right? Like, in, and I think that's the biggest thing is, like, we don't want to do that. Uh, we want to be successful. We don't want to even put ourselves in a position where, like, to get lazy, right? Like, it's very important to us to not mess up, to not make mistakes, um, and, like, part of that burnout it's very easy to make mistakes it's very easy to miss things and like we don't want to do those things so it was better for us to take the time now um and then move forward you know so good question though from mine and lee's perspective you know what we're doing is much smaller scale to what you guys do obviously is much more high profile and you have a tournament series that's not what our objective is but we're still like play testing a lot and, it, and yeah. I've, I've appreciated because I've never I've been involved in gaming since I was 12 I play, I started playing with Warhammer 40,000 in 1988 so I've been gaming a long long time when I was 12 so for me like I've always been involved in games but I've never actually really designed anything and I think listeners for those of you that think it's easy it just is it, it, it's so hard you've got to, like even from like a small set like what we're doing You've got to you've got to make sure you don't break stuff. So like when when Dan and that, you know, you guys are obviously offering like incentives. There's tournament prizes. There's you know there's there's the recognition that goes with the ATP brand. You've you've got to you've got to give yourself that breathing space. You know, I know that once we're done, we've said like we're not doing anything anything else major till the end of the year. Like we're we're done. You know, we we're, we're going to have some, some time off ideas. because you know we. <laughs> It's hard, and Dan knows that. Dan, you know, like you say, you've just heard him. He's, it's, it's the first time they've given themselves a break. Player, designer, tournament organizer, <laughs> content creator. Like, uh, I, I wear many hats for the Alpha Trion Protocols. So, uh, any, and on top of that, like, and I had decided this, like, somewhere in the middle of ATP 2. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the middle of ATP 3, that, like, I knew that I had to create a space away from the game. Like, I knew that I had to find a hobby outside of Transformers. Like it was very important to like my health probably. <laughs> like, um, so like I started playing World of Warcraft again. I hadn't played World of Warcraft in like five years probably. But when Shadowlands, when Shadowlands released with World of Warcraft, like I went back and I have been playing that like as like my, like my home away from home type scenario. It's like, okay, Tuesday and Wednesday nights, I'm doing that. Like that's, I'm just, that's my escape. It's like, okay, I don't need to think about Transformers for like, three hours a night during raid like and that's like my true escape but then of course like raid will end and i'll have like 13 messages from wyatt about <laughs> something that was broken in testing the night and i'm just like <laughs> me right but like that's like that's how it goes <laughs> so yeah it, 
it really is like it's very important that you do give yourself that because like you know I I've just said that you know I'm a massive gamer anyway like me and Lee have been we've taken a step away from Transformers we've been playing a bit of Marvel Champions via webcam that game is just to so play, good just to play it's just crap. to play something different <laughs> yeah because you it's so easy to burn out on stuff like you know poor Claire like bless her she I put her through the ring I'm like oh, we need to record tonight we need to do this we need to do that and like she's like oh do we have to and like the last couple of weeks we've just had like, I've had some family time I've seen my parents for the first time in over um, 18 months because of the whole yeah. state of the world and then you know like we've not recorded any gameplay for a few weeks now and it's like that's actually been quite nice it is I think I think the one thing that we can we can all say as well COVID has affected not just us gamers and whatever it's affected everyone differently oh yeah so mm. when when we're talking about how we're holding up i freaking love where the game is right now like i i'm so glad that dave talked me into throwing our hats in the ring with all the big boys and going you know we're the switzerland of podcasts no one really does that many podcasts compared to us that's our lovely space right now in the community like basically talking everything transformers why not do a fun set and then see where it goes from there that's been fun but the one thing i can say for me personally is like it's the testing that kills you like physically but also like personally as well which then wes addressed it ages ago on a podcast which i i went back and listened to which really helped me through like the whole design aspect was like don't take criticism like as a shot at you remember it's just a card and they'll come round to like working it through you so i can gladly say because we spoil one card on the community already my goal in this set, because uh, I was late to the party, because Dave just went full like Thomas the Tank Engine on this man. He was full steam <laughs> ahead, like we're gonna do this, 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 and then all our boys jumped in on it. It was fantastic, and they were like, "So Lee, you haven't made any cards," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I haven't." But you know, I love combiners, and there's one team out there which is trash. Let's try and make them good. And I think... Or at least playable. At least, at least playable. like, playable in a casual yeah. setting. and we've got a lot of great feedback from one card that we already, like, spoiled. And everyone's like, this really works well. This is not overpowered, and it's great. And I was like, yeah, that's just one of the many things that I've, like, bled out on this set. Because my whole goal was, like, Constructicons. I love Devastator. He has the best part in the movie. He kills the Dinobots pretty much, but you can't really <laughs> see that. Um, but... I was like, he was given the middle finger by Wazzy, and I was like, no, 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 no. We need to figure this out. So the first thing was like, well, we've got to do a stratagem. Cool. That's really cool. Let's do some battle cards. Okay, we're going to do some battle cards. Okay, those battle cards are making that stratagem really powerful. So we need to tweak this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. No, no, no. Then we're going to make this really cool, like, card. Very themed, very awesome. Like, you know, Scrapper is the man. You know, he, he does all this cool stuff. Lee, that's a diabolic tutor. I don't care. It needs to be good. <laughs> no, Lee, that's a diabolic tutor. You're creating a no. too good card. I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, guys, I'm not trying to be rude, but you're all assholes here, man. Seriously, these, they need some love. They need some love. And then I literally had to take a step back and go, you know what? I'm okay with it not being a diabolic tutor. I'm just being a dickhead. Let's figure out how we can make this work. And there's a lot of stuff because you're like, like, you're fighting, like going, you know, even if we just play with the cards, that's cool. But if the whole world <laughs> wide web goes, that set's really cool. I'm going to download it and start playing it in my meta. You're then going, right, how, how many people are going to be downloading my cards? I think that's the craziest thing coming into it as well is like, 
The turbo revving old punks is pretty much just a group of dedicated, loving Transformers fans going like, we want fun, we want theme, and we're going to have a freaking good time doing it. And I feel like every card we've created is just so much fun. Sure, there's been hurdles. Sure, sure, we've had some awesome goings of like, that is way too good. Shut up. <laughs> moments, you know. Uh, but there's been, s but it's been so rewarding because it's not just us testing it. We've had people from other communities, people who play like in tournaments, going and just chiming in and having a look and testing stuff and going like, guys, this is really cool. If you change this, maybe try this out. And and we've had nothing but like really, really positive, sometimes harsh criticism, but like positive criticism in a way. Like just tweak this. And I think that's what our community is about. Like, sure, the game's dead, but I think it's more alive than ever. And like it's super cool. I literally, I literally wrote that in Discord this morning. <laughs> we had, we, we had a, we had a new guy join the Discord like in the middle of the night last night, and we was talking about it. And I had said something about, um, like when the game, I, I actually, it was something like, uh, he asked like what fan sets were, and I was like, you know, there was there's different groups of individuals that have kind of picked up the mantle and did their own things all individually and stuff like that. And he was just like, oh, sad face. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be honest. The game is probably more alive now than it ever was. So, like, there's not even much to be sad about. Like, it's it's just not even a thing. Like, you just pick your poison. There are so many so many ways that you can now play the game, you know? Like, uh, whether it be any of the formats that we do, whether it be another, con you know, another group's uh, card base, whether it be through Primus, which I will speak so unbelievably highly of like go play primus if you never play primus it's an incredible format it's build with it's build it's built with fun like it's literally like i can't think of any other way in the last year that i can spend two hours in front of a computer just having the time of my life like it's it's there are so many ways to play this game and because of the webcam era or you know when octagon was a little bit higher in, in stature it, it's really fallen off now but like all of those ways that were there that were created and given the platform like, this game is just way more alive than it ever was playing with, like, literally the three friends that you had at your local. Like, you know, like, the game was never that big at a local standpoint. Like, most players uh, had, like, maybe eight to ten people in a given store. Like, now you have the world. Like, we have, we have, I, I've played against someone from every continent at this point, you know? Like, that's, that's how crazy the webcam era has been, like... It's so good. It's so it much really more. Is. It's so much more alive now. Like it's just, it's unbelievable. It's insane. Like Dan mentioned earlier in the podcast, we like love Transformers, but then when we found out we both love hockey, we got into arguments over <laughs> hockey and watching. Right, right. We were watching freaking NHL playoffs while playing Transformers. Like yes. come on, guys. and they are they are fun videos. You should go and find them you on Lee's channel. Freaking insane. <laughs> like, seriously. It was like a foreign language to me. I started watching. <laughs> <laughs> what the first one you guys put out, I was like. What are they talking All you gotta about? do is no Wikipedia idea. Eric Lindros people, enough said. Dan, you're taking Sucks. crazy pills. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're not burned out. It's great. Yeah, we, we definitely digress there, but I think it's important to, like, whenever you do anything, just to give yourself your me time. So whether it's WoW or Marvel Champions or something else, just spending time with your family. Give yourself a break, like, um, and don't, you know, don't burn out. Yeah, I it's kind of nice because obviously COVID is restri uh, less restricted at the moment in the UK. So I've, funny enough, Dan mentioned he went and got golf stuff. I've played a lot of golf over the last two nice. weeks. So it's been kind of nice to do that. I'm like, I'm like six weeks dry because I was, I got, 
I had freaking shingles in May, and it literally knocked me out off my feet for like three weeks. Oh, I was miserable. I haven't played golf in like six weeks. Not fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's true. But it's great. It's you just need to have a little bit of me time, like whether like play video games like Yakuza. Just go beat up fifty guys, then get drunk and do karaoke. <laughs> like what what kind of video game does that? You know, it's great. <laughs> Next question. Right, so part six. You know, we're still going. Good old Donald McDonald. Right, we're going. What are the long-term goals for the ATP group? Do you guys plan on doing justice for most every character and give them at least one card? That's a loaded question. Dan, I want to hear this answer. Uh, all right. Eager breath. So we're going to answer the second part first. Um, art is your enemy period um not every character is even capable of getting getting justice uh i will give a a shout out to mr cameron of arbitrary hero again but like he has been filling up our google drive with commissions that he's been getting done of some of the most unique of characters for sure some of them i i literally don't even know who the hell they are um but uh yeah at the end of the day when it comes to like every character you know it it's unrealistic unless like you have a unlimited resources, I would say, because they're just, or you just don't care what your guy looks like. I mean, you know, if you want to put stick figures on a card and say, hey, this is that card, then yeah, of course you can do those things. Um, but realistically, the art is, it's the enemy of every designer. You know, I, one of the cards that I was like really trying to push for uh, in early set design for ATP4 was Double Dealer. And um, yeah, that, that art just didn't really exist uh not in a good way not in a i would print this way and it would look good every way like it just didn't exist so like double dealer dealer was like one of those characters where, like i really really enjoy some of the stories that i have read with double dealer and i really want to make a card for this and yada 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 and all those things but uh at the time it wasn't we weren't able to do it what i can tell you now is i can because once again cameron's been filling up the the commission folder in our google doc but um yeah, I think I think it's a really really difficult thing to say. Like, it, art is going to be your enemy. That's 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 the answer to that question. As far as our goals, uh, it, it for us it's it's been a year of consistency. Um, we started online webcam events in May of twenty twenty, so now we've been doing this for thirteen months, which is like absolutely insane to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, we started doing this before the game discontinued. Like, that's so every, pretty much every season, you know, we we look back at okay, what worked, what didn't work, what did people like, what did people dislike, um, and every season that happens, that conversation happens of like, what can we do to be better? What can we do to be uh, more inviting? What can we do to, you know, I don't know, accommodate as many people as possible, right? Um, and for us, like those things haven't changed. Uh, the world is starting to change, right? So, you know, there is some more freedoms there that in, when the time comes, we'll have better answers, uh, to some of the questions that I've been asked, you know, like, will we do conventions? Uh, will we hold events, you know, in person? And like, uh, the easy answer and like the most logistical answer is yeah, probably, um, but it's also a matter of will it work? Uh, how much 
you know, what is the resources needed to even make one of those things work? You know, what is the expectation of attendance and all those things? Like, you know, a, a lot of those questions are very hard to answer uh, still because we still don't know exactly what the restrictions are going to be. We still don't know, you know, how many people are going to be interested in the game after the webcam era, right? Like, it's very hard to, to say that. Like, you know, maybe if we're all being honest with ourselves, maybe this has worked so long because there hasn't been some new game for some person to go and learn and play, right? Because it's like, yeah, there's other games out there that have been, that have came out in the middle of COVID and stuff like that. But like, it's not like you could have went to your LGS and met with your friends and met with new people and learn how to play these games because like that didn't exist. But Transformers has been there because like we made sure it was there. Um, so it's really dependent on the community, to be honest. Like as long as, the community is there and as long as the community wants us to continue and wants to still play in tournaments and is interested in going to events you know like we're gonna do it that's 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 the most honest answer that i can give you as long as there is a community for us as long as there's 200 people in the discord as long as there's you know an audience to fill then we're gonna fill that void i think that's one of the key things isn't it it's like the, the community online you can you can get a game whenever you want. Right. You can just turn on your computer, set up the webcam, and play. It's probably going to be against Ogar. Yeah, most probably against Ogar. <laughs> probably. This is true. <laughs> this is definitely true. I you know from from my local player base, it has shrunk, and we have had people move on. People have like gone and done other things, so they've just fallen out of love with the game. The the death of a game officially can really impact upon a person's enthusiasm for it like whilst i love the fan created content it's not for everybody and those people have moved on so like who knows what's going to happen in for physical events moving forward like you say you know is it logistically going to be viable who yeah knows? is it possible is the question that's the biggest yeah. like yeah. like we're not we're not wizards of the coast right like you can't you can't really expect anyone to be willing to take a let's just say like a ten thousand dollar hit on renovating a spot in a convention right like it that's a lot to ask from like a small organization of anyone right like it's a lot yeah. it's a big commitment to like want to be able to do those things and to be able to like even be able to do it right like so it's a very very hard question to answer when like you just don't know as long as there is you know 30 40 people that i can chat with at, a, at, at any given day about the game and about what they're enjoying and about when they're gonna play and especially if we're talking about Primus in any which way, like <laughs> I can tell you that the ATP will be there to do those things. I th you know, we've said it a lot of times, a game only dies if you let it. So so guys, if you, if, if you want to play still, there are ways of doing it. If you live in the UK, reach out to me and Lee. We have a Discord server that is primarily UK players. Like, we're, we're not averse to having other members of the international community come and play with us. But, like, you know, we have set, we're trying to kick because the UK community has suffered massively during, during COVID. It's funny because, like, we had uh, a fair amount of people in the Discord from the UK, like, prior to the game. Uh, discontinuing right like we had like i don't know like five to ten people i would say easily and i would say almost instantly all of them went away like almost instantly the game the game took a hit in my area like i can i can casually say they've kept some of their cards to play but yeah and now we have like you know we have a couple players um you know from at least that side of the world and frank and sandman 
that are always in and always play yeah. games. Um, so those guys are are definitely like there, but even them, they're they're actually like newer to my community. Like they're they they weren't there all along, and they probably just recently showed up. I'd say like two or three months ago, you know. So um, if anything, hopefully that's good news for you guys that like people are still in the area, still wanting to play the game. Yeah, we 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 had ideas as a channel, like if the game continued, like what we wanted to do, because there was a few big conventions that we had eyed up, and like we were like, this is possible, we can do that. We had a few stores reach out to actually demo the game for them at, at like Transformers conventions and stuff. So we were excited. And then obviously the news of like it canceling kind of like obviously like, well, I'm a retailer. I don't want to keep dead products done. Like, you know, and then like when my like some of my friends have started because obviously COVID now is kind of like things are opening. It's kind of it's still not normal, but it's kind of getting back to normal here in the UK. Some people are like, are we going back to regulars? How have you guys been playing? And we've been talking throughout the whole process like come play there's like fan created sets and stuff and it's really cool like there's loads of cool stuff but you know when when like you're that lone wolf sometimes it's easier just to get out than keep going sometimes and i can understand that you know because there's so many amazing games out there like it is hard because because that's the thing right when it goes to like long-term plans for any group like doing justice to every character it's really like, it's tough I'm, go I'm gonna i'm gonna bring up them again dave and you're gonna burst out laughing can you, in a family-friendly format, bring out the Decepticon Justice Division? No. You can't. One turns into an electric chair. How the hell does that work? <laughs> the other, I would love, just puts guys through himself because he's got a giant fan for where his chest is. There's just some stuff as a concept you just kind of like, yeah, that doesn't work. Like... You could see them as obviously it'd be like wizards kind of thing. It's like, well, I'm going to bring one out as an STR and that'd be really cool, you know. <laughs> Feed the fans, you know. We, we're releasing them out. And you're just like, yeah, I, I want to play a game where one's a chair. Yeah, let's go with that one. You know, poof. Yeah, you know, my my know. little boy's like, can I can I read your Transformers comics? I'm like, nope. no, <laughs> nope. no, no, they are not. They they're not. They're not children's like, comics. Um, not. maybe in five years. <laughs> It is yeah, true, but like yeah, there is exactly. so much fun stuff because it's also the fact is everyone has their favorite character and I will get on my pedestal again, Dave, because he knows what's coming. Blitzwing will be the best character in this freaking game, like I'm telling you right now. Like, seriously, Brett, the hitman heart, sunglasses, he's cream, he's purple, he's a gangster. He plays, like, flipping American football in one episode for some random reason. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but hey. So I hope, I hope that answered that one because we're, we're, still, we're still not halfway there. This is the last one, you know, the one that comes through the ice the, the, and all that the, stuff, this right, is... Dave? You know that? You know that movie? Yeah. You know? Gets killed by ghosts, I believe. You know, it's all good. The next question. This is the last of Donald. Um, so thank you for um, all your questions, it. Donald. Yeah, thank you, sir. And this is a really good one as well because I know, I know, I know there's an answer to this anyway. So this, this one is, is there a possibility for you guys to compile a comprehensive rules and FAQ set? For now, it seems you have to search a lot of places to find information. A single PDF file would be great. And there is an answer to that and I'll let Dan give the answer. The, uh, obviously for us, it's like, like it, that's one thing. If we're talking about like for everyone, that's another thing, right? Like it, it's just it that would be incredibly difficult to do, regardless. Um, now there was uh, a group of us called the the Equitas that was voted on by the community after the game discontinued, and for a good period of time, we were all pretty interactive. I would say with the main Discord um, for the game discontinuing, like there has been almost no conversation between us. Uh, I, I, me and Jihan and Cameron are members of the protocols of uh, the Earth Protocol, so like we have conversations. Uh, I know Jihan just recently 
delivered another FAQ or updates or things like that. Uh, it was a compilation of things. Um, so, like, Jihan is very, very adamant about having that type of document through the Equitas page. Uh, so, like, that is, like, the best place for it uh, because he he does his, his best to have as much information about all of the things that everyone is doing there in one spot. Um, so, like, he's doing his best job there. Uh, for us, I know we have a bunch of individual ones. Like, so the, the short answer is yes, we could obviously compile them all into one. That's probably a great idea. I'll probably talk with Wyatt, and that'll probably get done. So, like, if that if that's going to make everyone's life easier, then that's a very easy thing to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I it's very difficult for sure, especially because, once again, everyone has their own sets. Everyone has their own... Uh, their own keywords and all those things. So like, it's very difficult to have all that one thing, but like as an a as ATP by itself, um, absolutely. I think it's something that instead of having the individual FAQs posted on the website, uh, it's probably better that now that we're a couple sets in that just put them all in one document. And then if anything, link to the Equitas site that has everything the Watsi had, and then everything that's happened since Watsi has left, like all that information is on the Equitas page. So um, it's probably a good thing to try and uh, I would say sum it all up into one thing rather than having individuals. Because, you know, the actual rules for the game were pretty rubbish. Yeah. Like, I, even, well, the expand, <laughs> even the expanded rules were, were that, you know, they cover some of the circumstances. It's really, really difficult. And like Wave 5 made things even more difficult, to be honest. I mean, there were there are so many gray lines uh, in Wave 5 that, like, you, you really could answer it in a magnitude of ways. Um, so, and on top of that, what I can almost guarantee you is that you could probably go and ask four different people a certain rules questions. You might get four different answers. Um, so that's why it is, it is very important for us to have, like, a set of rules that work in our events. You know, like, I know for us, an example, like, in our events, like, we have a unique sideboard rule that has a stratagem slot. So like, to my knowledge, no one else is doing that. No one else is including stratagem having its own slot in the sideboard. Uh, and no. we and we did that with the intent of, I really hated the idea that like, you could main board heroic resolve, and if you had to board it out, you like had to board in extra cards in your deck because you couldn't have more than 10 cards in your sideboard. Like the whole concept of it was stupid. Like in my mind, Watsi would have 100% gotten to a point where they made Stratagem its own spot in the sideboard. Like, it, 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 to me, it makes so much sense that they would have done that. Because, like, I think, like, you really quickly, especially in a world where they continued making Stratagems and actually made playable ones, like, if we're being completely honest. Um, yeah. They, they would have had to do it. Because, like, it's, it's, too, it's too nice of a thing in the game to have to not be able to fully utilized like it's just a crappy position so like that's why like we we introduced that rule in season three it's like no we're gonna we're just gonna make this a rule and like it makes sense to me you know um and there's other rules in the game that like once again it could be interpreted two three different ways but like for us it's important to go nope this is how we rule it and it's how we've always ruled it and it's how it's gonna stay like we're not gonna like back down because someone else says something different like it, it has to be clear in our events that like this is how we rule it and this is how we do things and that's exactly it, isn't it you know you've, you've got to have that consistency within your events right and it, it's a really hard environment at where we are now because there are three major 
content creators that are making stuff. There's lots of smaller stuff, like what we're doing, smaller. And, like, you can't police all of that. You can't. So you just have to focus on what you're doing. Even as, like, the Equitas, uh, you know, there were members of the ARC and there were members of um, ATP. And it was just, like, even us as a group came to consensus, like, no, you need to police yourself. You know, like... It's not fair that, like, we're each going to do these other things, these side projects. Like, we're here to, like, police the game, but we're not here to police everyone's project. Like, it's just not even fair to us because it's like, listen, if you want to create and you want to do things, like, you, you got to know how they work with inside the game. Or you have to be, at least be like, no, this is how I want it to work inside the game. And then, if anything, we can push you in the direction of going, like, okay, well, this is how you make that work, you know? Um, but it, it, it's definitely important to, like... If you're if you're gonna put yourself out there, if you're gonna be like I'm gonna make this thing, that's fine. Go and make that thing, but you you need to be able to enforce it and like at least be able to communicate why or how it works, right? So yeah, great question. So that's that's the end of Donald McDonald. Oh, thank Donald you so much, McDonald's. Donald. That was a, like a and we're back we're, we're back to Wire. He, here he is again. <laughs> like, you, you dared him to ask more questions. I think this than is he has. one long question, but right, it, right. Like happened. honestly, this is like this is like four statements and then a question. I think it is. Like I think Richard just wanted someone to do it in a movie voice. So <clears throat> ATP one was a big on breathing new life through stratagems into an old. Oh god, I can't keep doing that. Sorry. <clears throat> Uh, into old characters and a stagnant metagame, the master plan, if you will. ATP2 delved into the idea of team-ups or groups of characters being the canvas upon which the players painted. Wow, these are really, really good thoughts here. Painted through interesting battle deck decisions. Uh, ATP3 had this over overarching theme of uh, traits matter with the expansion of the Wreckers and Seekers, but also in its various battle cards. ATP4 so far seems to be um, at, uh, be um, oh god uh, <laughs> evocative. Evocative. Oh, say you, big words, man. This sucks. Evocative of defining moments. What with the Arise mechanic, Legend mode characters, and some of the pop-off after setup effects elsewhere. In design and development, how do you find these thematic threads uh, to follow? Uh, do you always have the direction from the outset, Dan? I think you touched on this a little bit, didn't you, Dan? Yeah, the answer is no. Um, Good job. Yeah, I mean, Wyatt, once again, you know, he, he knows how to ask a question, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, the answer is sometimes you just don't. Sometimes it's great that you do, you know, like, but ATP3 and ATP4 were literally polar opposites of design process. Polar opposites. One was build build the process as we went. The other was here's here's the process and let's build onto it. Um, so it's, it's, it, it, it's absolutely not required. Uh, it's nice, right? Like it's nice when you can be thematic and it all makes sense and that's great. But I, I think, in the end you just it's not a requirement it's not it's if you have a goal and you know what you want to do that's probably the most important thing but it doesn't necessarily have to be thematic right like it doesn't have to be like oh i want to just do all records or oh i want to do all secret like you don't have to do those things by any means like you know uh ironically i think atp3 does it in the most unique way possible where it's like we said it's traits matter but it was like it was so more than realistically just traits. It was traits. It was star cost. You know, it was um, it was star battle cards, right? Like things like that. It was just like all of these things that 
we want it to implement into the game because there just there wasn't enough of them. So like it's it like yeah, there's like this quote thematic theme, but like really there's not. You know, it's just like no, we just had a goal in mind of we just wanted to make these things that like needed to exist or that we felt needed to exist in a meta game. And I think that's a big difference, isn't it, from when when you're playing competitively because you look at the tournament decks on the whole, they're not really true to the Transformers lore. When I first started playing, I'm like, you can mix Orbots and Decepticons together. That is just wrong. It you is know? wrong. You know, like, it, it's, it's, you know, you can play for, th you know, Magic is another game where you can play for theme. X-Wing is another game where you play for theme. Oh, I'm going to put all the major characters on my spaceships, or I'm going to play all the major Autobots together in this. Like, yeah, that's fun on a kitchen table level, but competitively, you very rarely see that kind of level of theme in any single game system that I've played at a, a casual and or competitive level. You know, I play X-Wing seriously competitively. You don't really see many thematic lists in that. You don't see many thematic lists at the top of Transformers because you just play the best option yeah. for your deck. I remember, I remember a good friend of mine who was in our meta. I don't think he plays anymore, but he was like, Lee, wave, uh, wave five, headmasters, you know, everyone's got different heads. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like... I'm uh, refusing to have an Autobot buddy with a, a Decepticon head and vice versa, because that's insane. <laughs> and I was like, fair play. I, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see where you guys take it moving forward, like five and beyond. Because like you said, as long as people want to play, you're going to be there. So let's, let's keep the events full. Keep Vector Sigma and ATP. Get, you know, keep, keep those tournaments going. Because as long as you keep playing, this game don't die. And that's the thing to remember. We, we've got two. Uh, we're down to the last, last two, two questions. I, I thought this podcast was going to be a light jog. It's now a full marathon sprint, bruv. It's always, it's always marathon. marathon. The thing yeah. is, like, you get three people that like to talk and it ends up being long. <laughs> true. So, so true. Th this question, this should be hopefully a quick one because we can just point people to Teletran, which deserves a big shout out because Teletran is arguably where you go for now if you want to look at metagame analysis teletran1.net is a really good site um so this is from emilio miranda and it says how would you build and play a menasaur deck yeah menasaur is a i mean obviously in the, in the atp metagame he's a force to be reckoned with he's definitely a top tier one deck um and the coolest thing about him is there's there's like there's even a metagame to the menasaur where it's like you can build this deck three different ways and one of them is good against a certain portion of the meta. One of them is good against another certain portion of the meta. And then there's one that's even good against, like, other Menasaur decks. Um, and you can actually, you can see that uh, on the Teletron 1, any of the ATP events, you know, there are, there's normally one, at least minimum one of in top eight of every one of our events. So you can definitely go and see the difference and variations of the list from March to April to now, like, um... I don't think there's too many registered in the event for this month, but I think there's like two or three of us because I'm one of them, of course. Um, but <laughs> there's a lots of different ways to build this deck. I mean, the the ability to play two actions in a turn is interesting um, and it's it's powerful for sure. I mean, Brainstorm, Brainstorm was a powerful card, but it's not a good card because like you have to have that. You have to have a full hand. You have to have all actions and you have to have actions that even work with each other in, in certain cases. Um but Menasaur is just brainstorm on a stick, and we give you the ability to combine at about half of your health pool. So, with on average, you would probably combine with about half your half your health pool. So, like, 
you know, the idea that you can have 20 health instead of, like, 5 when Menasaur was played in uh, Rise of the Combiners metagame, you know, it's a big deal. It's a big difference. You, you really get to utilize his ability, which before you just didn't, you know, like, it's like the opposite between him and Superion. Like, Superion was this deck where it's like, the whole game you're able to, like, focus down a character and then combine and bolt something, get rid of something else, and then it's like, alright, I might only have, like, 10 or 11 or 12 health left, but, like, I also have built-in Tough 2, and this was before Belligerent, so, like, Tough 2 actually mattered, um, <laughs> and things like that, but it's like, uh, you know, like, you had all these tools that, like, really closed out a game, but Menasaur didn't, you know, like, it didn't have these tools, so, like, you were just, like, combining with, like, this sliver of health left, and it's like, oh, you got one turn to play two actions, and it was like, that's not enough, right, like, so, like, when we designed him in this format, it was like, no, like, you're going to be able to use that. Like, you're going to be able to use these two actions. And it's going to be interesting because you're going to be able to, like, I'm going to play two buff spells. Or I'm going to play two hand disruption spells. Or I'm going to play two secret actions. Like, there's, you could do all of these things. Um, and that's what yeah, makes him... It's really That's cool. what makes him the most unique character in our metagame because you really can build this guy several different ways. And depending on what everyone else brings to the table is kind of where his power level lies. Because every version of that deck isn't good against every opposition. So that's the most interesting thing about him, I would say. And I, I think, you know, with the sideboard as well, you can, you can like, have the main deck strategy and then you can sideboard into one of the other variants of it as well to some degree. I think, you know, we, we on our channel, you know, if, you're, if you want an example of Menasaur played at a more casual level, by scrubs, um, then 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 go and check out our, our episode. But we played the hand disruption one, and that is disgusting. And I think it was only because I was running Sky Shadow that I stood a chance. So yeah, to, yeah. Honestly, go and check out listeners. Go and check out teletran1.net. It is a fantastic resource. Yeah, I mean they have they have like just every deck list, and then they also have like the tournament deck list. I mean, and they you know they have all the fan stuff, which is great because it's really good. No one else has that, so it's really cool. Uh, it's a really great website. Giant shout out to Zero. Like he makes my life so much easier. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent, man. Like, I think it's a really good resource. It's something that you can just go and look at, and you if you want some inspiration or you don't know where to start. You've got a starting point right there. It's a really good. He has a great beginners thing on there too. He has the uh, all of the content creators show up on there whenever they release a new video. Like it's a great. That's right. It's a great hub to start at for sure because like it really does have a ton of information. It really does, and yeah, but like you say, big shout out to Zero because uh, it's 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 definitely helped me out as a content creator. So yeah, thank you, sir. So. Um, this is the last question. This is a big one. This is from our friend Adam from Bayformers. So this is like, this is a big one. Do you want to read it out, Lee? Shout outs to Adam. So, um, Adam, he says, always great to hear Dan Arnold's perspective. Uh, I'd love to hear more directly from him about ATP's uh, philosophy and approach to taking feedback from the greater fan community. Uh, maybe some card design storytelling about how the convergence of intel uh, internal testing and internal feedback cycle and outside perspectives shaped anything atp4 cards wise uh, given atp's influence and how the their cards are played outside uh, their competitive circles 
in the broader player base, especially in cross-play scenarios with other community groups. Uh, it'll be a delight to hear his thoughts on those outside ATP and Vector Sigma and, and plays on how um, players might experience their cards outside their competitive scene. That is a sandwich and a half of questions. Good job, Adam. Oh, is a bagel. Is it a bagel? We'll go with a bagel. That was a bagel and a half. All right, so we'll, we'll answer in layers. Um, so the first part is you have to uh, you have to know your audience, right? So like the audience that you have, you have to know the audience. You have to know what you're developing for that audience. From day one, VectorSigma.info, from Scott Landis as a uh, pet project, as a school project to create a website to launching YouTube, to launching a Patreon, to, you know, multiple successful uh, competitive events and all those things. Like, our our stick has been competitive. Always what we've done, right? It's always been what we've done. So our audience has and always will be competitive play. So feedback from public is very hard to even take into account because most of the feedback that is given is given through the Discord of players that are in the formats, they're playing in our tournaments. All of that data that comes from the tournament players is public feedback. Uh, it's all of those things that we constantly are looking at and evaluating and moving in with those informations. So for us, it's like, yes, we understand uh, we're presenting this to everybody, right? Like so everybody has the ability to see and play with the Alpha Triumph Protocols cards. But when it comes to the actual feedback, it's very hard to take uh, certain perspectives of feedback without a grain of salt because not everyone's going to look at this card and go, oh man, that card's through the moon. When realistically you look at the card in the metagame and you can, I could pinpoint to you what the purpose of a card is supposed to do in a metagame, right? Like that's that's my part of design. That's what, I, that's what my job is. My job is every single card that gets created has a purpose in design for a metagame. And that is just not true when there is no metagame, right? That's just not true. Like you could look at, you could pick at any, almost any given card you could probably name, I could probably tell you is probably mostly unfun in a casual format, right? I, I will, I'll be the first to admit that, but that's not the purpose of the card. That's, that's, that's the big stick there is that everything is designed with intent. So when you don't, when you have people that aren't involved with the metagame and with the process and with those things, it's very hard to even begin to explain to them why this needs to exist. Because most of the time they're coming at it from a negative standpoint. And that's the worst of it is that like, I don't ever want to be in a position where we're arguing negatively for really no apparent reason. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing to get past was just like, we can have this conversation um, and I can listen and I can respond. But if, if like whatever the outcome is going to be doesn't meet a stigma of I care or it's going to change my mind or any of these things, then like none of those things are going to affect the the conversation. It's probably it's probably just going to make it more negative. So if if it's a if it's a public feedback from people that aren't actively playing or don't you know play in the metagame or don't understand the metagame and things like that, it's very hard to take them take any of that uh fairly and that's that that's my my best answer to the feedback part um the next part is i think i've covered a ton of storytelling in card design oh yeah um so i don't <laughs> i think i already covered that part of the question 
Um, ATP fours. Uh, I, I did it. We did a bunch of that. Uh, given influence on how the cards are played outside the competitive. So I. So okay. So given the influence outside of competitive, this is definitely something that I would love for everyone to pick up and play off of Triumph Protocol's cards. I hope you. I hope anyone that looks at a card and says, "Man, I really like that card. I really like that card. I'm going to play this card. Great." Um, I, I'm I'm happy that if anyone that picks up an Alpha Triumph Protocol card plays it anywhere, I'm happy about it. Like, awesome. Uh, if I can reach you in a non non competitive way, awesome. Like, that's that's great. Uh, what I have heard over and over again, and I will always hear, and I kind of just said it, is like these cards are definitely like some of these decks. If you went on Teletram one and you were the guy in your group that went and looked at whatever won the last Alpha Triumph Protocols event and you just sleeved it up and you brought it to the table and your friend is like sitting at the cross the cable with like a starter deck Optimus Prime. Yeah, they're not going to have any fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not. They're not. Um, and that's that's just it's it's the design of the card. It's it's the intent of the card. It's just not meant to be played that way. Um, so it, it'll it'll unfortunately it'll probably leave way more feels bad moments than feels good moments in that setting. Uh, but it's just the way it's, it was our decision point from day one of how we were going to build our sets. We were always going to build them in competitive in mind. Uh, as far as crossplay goes, I am 100% on record from day one that I think crossplay is not good in any fashion. And I have many reasons for this. The most important is every single designer has an idea. And every single designer works with the same thing in mind. And that is sets one through five that Watsi gave us. We have nothing else in common. Nothing. Nothing else in common. We, might, we, have, we have all sorts of different ideas of how a character should work. We have all sorts of different ideas of how a battle card should work. We have all sorts of different ideas of how cards should read, how cards should interact. We, everyone that's designing cards is going to disagree on some level. Every one of us. And on top of that none of them are being tested with other sets in mind explicitly in the beginning where everyone was making their own sets and nothing was out yet etc like none of that information was readily available and for what it's worth even if it was i don't even think it's fair to ask a designer to take into account another person's set it's not fair to the designer it's not fair to the player it's not fair to the tournament organizer it's not fair to anyone because you're asking whoever that individual is to like triple down on the idea of what crossplay competitive would look like and most of the time someone's going to end up feeling bad it could be the player it could be the organizer it could be the designer any one of those people have a chance to feel bad when it comes to crossplay because as a player i'm now asked to look at i don't know uh a hundred plus more cards right like oh i've been playing with Alpha Trion for the entirety of blah, blah, blah. And now we're introducing this other set that now I have to go and look at everything from before that and try and figure that out in the short period of time and all those things. And like, you're asking a lot of a player, right? Then you're asking a lot of a TO because now the TO has to go, all right, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to now figure out what cards are going to be legal in my event. Because if you don't ban anything, chances are something is 100% broken someone's going to figure it out and so everyone else is going to feel bad that they figured it out it's not going to be a good time for anybody then the third part is the designer at some point whoever the tournament organizer is gets to decide what cards get banned and if a card gets banned that like the designer doesn't agree with now you're hurting the designers 
the designer's thing. So like, in my opinion, as a competitive and competitive, there's no way to viably run that type of process because someone is going to end up feeling bad. And I, I am not someone that believes in even attempting to do that because it's just like, you're asking so much from everyone and chances are, no matter where you are, someone's going to be annoyed or someone's going to be pissed off or someone's going to feel bad because they played against this deck that no one even thought of it existed, etc. So from a competitive standpoint, I just, I could never promote crossplay. I just can't do it. Casually, what you guys do on your channels, awesome. If you guys have a blast doing that, I am so happy that you have a blast doing that. Like, I have, I'm not taking anything away from anybody that wants to go and say, oh my god, this card works so great with that card. I mean, you guys have done it on every one of your podcasts that, like, you're like, oh, this card from this set is great, and then it works really great with this other fan-created set. Like, all of those things are great, right? And that's awesome. If people are going to do it, more power to them. But for me, at a competitive standpoint, I just could never... I would never want anyone to be put through the hoops that would be required for that to work. And that's that's just how I feel about that. That's um, honestly a completely frank answer to a very tricky question. Like... You know, you've touched on that. I, I've on our channel. We've there's one episode. I play one game against Claire. I'm like, that shit you just had is broke. And I don't <laughs> want to play games two and three because those sets were des- like you said, man. Like the sets are designed independently in a vacuum away from the other creators. It's very hard to police that, particularly when you're trying to run tournaments. Because it's a can of worms. You just can't. You can't police it all. Like you say, someone's going to get annoyed or upset or there's gonna be an npe for one of the people sat at the table to be like well i didn't even know that existed and you've just done this so we're gonna dude you're you're gonna have to bleep a lot this time oh, it's but, perfectly fine <laughs> it's great i love it it's great <laughs> you know you know i think it's tricky it's exactly what dan yeah. said i find it tricky i think i think the best thing what we've said because we i agree with dan like you're gonna step on people's toes if you like start banning cards and then you're affecting people in the long run because you don't know how people will take criticism sometimes but i know i know on our podcast i know i think it was what we, we've always said that atp is very like competitive na- nature right from the get-go and the one thing i think we i don't think we i can say we locked horns at but dave and me just were like so we know it's competitive right and i think it was i think it was the shockwave uh, not shockwave soundwave uh, and i was just like dude we've both played soundwave and obviously we've mixed cards from different sets he is a monster even when you don't. We broke when we him. don't even mix sets. We were like, dude, this guy's really freaking good. <laughs> He's a really, really fun card. He is. And like, it's really sad because, like, uh, I mean, like, Soundwave was, it was probably one of the most playable decks in multiple forms during the ATP2 metagame. But in the ATP3 metagame, he's been almost invisible. Yeah, and that's the most interesting thing. And that's the most interesting thing with your with your car. However, your he he is the most he is the most played sideboarded character. <laughs> He's in the sideboard a lot. That's what we're gonna say. It's like he sideboarded a lot. But no, I I think it's quite interesting as well because I was I was shocked when I think we had Christian on and I mentioned like, dude, Dinobots were running rampant at ATP one, and then as soon as like you see the later waves, you're like, did did. What's going on? Wait, where's the Dinobots? They were like really good at one point. Has everyone just forgotten about them or something? Like, it's interesting to see the meta, like how you say, because it is a meta game and you guys definitely do go towards the competitive nature of things, which is great because I think that's what we need in a game because I think every game has a competitive element to it. And I think it's interesting because it's like, there's certain cards that I know in Wave 3, I'm just like, wow, that card is mad. And then I see the tournaments, I'm like, 
I'm pretty positive that must have been played at the tournament, but it just didn't make it, I guess. Like, I love Starscream from ATP3. Holy sh**. Insane. He's a phenomenally awesome interactive card. I will say this uh, in Primus. If you ever get the chance to play Seekers in Primus, just do it because it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so much fun. Um, but yeah, like just to piggyback a little bit off your statement about Dinobots, like here's, here's something that like, honestly, I didn't really understand until ATP3. But like, now I just get it, right? Like I, I never really understood it, but now I get it. So... For ATP 1 and ATP 2, we created cards to attempt, and I literally use that word, attempt, to differ the Wave 5 metagame. And I can tell you, from personal experience and playtesting, that we failed. We didn't do it. ATP 1 and ATP 2 barely passed as playable and full constructed metagame. The best deck was still Quake, the best deck was still sound, Soundwave dot deck, like, or I'm sorry, uh, Sky Shadow dot deck like it was still they were still the best two decks by a landslide you want to know that you want to know why you wouldn't think that or you wouldn't know that people don't like to play the same thing people don't necessarily care about what's the most powerful thing they don't I never understood as a competitive player going into an event if I am able to figure out what the best thing is going into an event I'm always going to play the best thing that's me though right that's me I'm a competitive player and going into whatever event it is, I'm always going to know that I'm going to play the best deck. But that's not how everyone look, takes this game. That's not how everyone plays this game. Everyone goes, wow, that's cool. That's new. That's neat. That's interesting. And that's why it's even more difficult sometimes to design cards. Because, like, in my, in the back of my mind, I've known, you know, going into ATB3, I've known for two sets that Sky Shadow is still the best character in the game. He's still the best deck. Quake is still the best character in the game. He's still the best deck. So going into a whole other set knowing that you're doing that it's like man this is so difficult because it's like although people are playing other decks you still have quake winning a, an event you still have sky shadow winning an events like you still have all these things but it, it doesn't look as bad because like there aren't 15 people playing it right so that's why it doesn't look as bad but the truth is is like that that was the absolute truth it was like we created these things but like nothing stood up to it like these were still the best things so atp3 i i immediately realized that with the new cards and characters that we brought in with ATB3, people didn't give a about whatever the full constructed metagame was supposed to be. They're like, no, nah, dude, I'm going to play Overlord because he's awesome. I'm going to go play the Wreckers because they're awesome. Like, they didn't care. Like, there was there was one Quake deck registered in that event, like, or two or something like that. Like, there was such a low number of them. Like, there was one, I think there was, I think there actually was only one Sky Shadow registered in the event. So, like, that's the moment where I was like, okay, power level 100% matters, and it's important to know, but... The truth is that people just want to play with new cards and they want they want cards that are interesting they want cards that are defining for different reasons so that's why in atp4 to me it's going to be the biggest thing we've ever done because it's the first time where i think we succeeded on both fronts where we succeeded where these cards are all very interesting they're all very unique and they're all very good and they are meta warping because of how they work and how they interact with other characters so that's like the coolest thing for me is like the first two or three sets I wasn't very confident that we were we were doing in full construct. In Titan 1, I think we were doing a great job. We policed the format really well, and everyone loves that format. I did a vote for June, like, what people wanted to play, because, like, we had, like, I think we had four Titan 1 events in this season. In the four-month season, we had four Titan 1 events. So I did a vote, of like, huh, maybe people don't want to play Titan 1. Maybe they want to play something else. And literally, by a landslide, Titan 1 was voted on for the month, for the month of, for the month of June. So, like, 
We've done a great job policing that format. I'm hoping with ATP4 we've officially opened up Full Constructed even more and make it more viable and more interesting and more playable decks uh, for everyone. That's, that's really what my hope is. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? It's like it's 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 more interesting to play in a format that is diverse because no one wants to tune to the same deck mm. again and again and again and again, winning winning this. Oh look, it's Sky Shadow again. He's still there. Yeah, because people get bored of of seeing the same thing. So I think that is very key to keep it fresh. We're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> we are. We totally. I we we're going to be dropping the the ATP four review. Hopefully, in the next, we're not going to take as long as we did last time. Yeah, like, that's, that, that's Adam's sin. fault. That's your fault, Adam, for your giant set. These guys in the Bay um, Area. But thank you, everyone, <laughs> that took the time to write a yeah. question for Dan. Yeah, shout out to you guys. And thank you, Dan, for giving up your time this evening because we've come to the end of the questions and we're nearly at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, Dan, did you have any questions for me and Lego? Oh, Go. boy. So many questions. Uh -oh. That have just been like... uh oh, so many questions. Well, you know we're not got good bagel games, so there's one done. Like, honestly, I don't really have any questions for you guys. What I want to do is is I want to take this time to thank you guys. You know, like, it is very been, it's been very difficult for many content creators in this game to continue on. Uh, we have seen so many content creators just fall. Like, I mean, just literally fall by the wayside. Like, we had a, a very, very large community of content creators, and we just, we just don't anymore. You know, like, we just we really don't. It's very, very limiting, and... I really just want to give a credit to you guys that you've stuck through with the game. You know, you've been here the entire time. You've done all sorts of different, you know, promoting podcasts, gameplay, all of it. And I, I really just want to give you guys like a huge shout out and like a thank you for everything that you do for the community. Yeah, thanks, well, thank man. You, man. And also thank you thank for giving you. us spoilers, bro. Like it's always it's always a blessing when like Dave and me go like, you know what? There's um did you get like a message there? Like, yeah, and it's like they're giving me cards to spoil. This is mad. Like it kind of makes our day a little bit as well, but I, th I think it's really cool because we're, we 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 are like I, this sounds really cocky when I say it now out loud. But I think I think Dave and me are very genuinely genuine and open about everything. Like we love this community. Like we all have one crazy thing in common. We love a cartoon from the eighties and comic books, and and like all that. And that's evolved into friendships. Like in all the groups that we know, and we've had the blessings to either spoil cards, help play test. Even, even like you know, play video games that isn't Transformers related, or other video, or other board games. Like Dave and me mentioned it. Like a lot of us play Champions, and we don't like we just take a break from Transformers. It's mad, but yeah, we we, we love you guys, and we'll do this for a while because this game is definitely not dead. But it's it's been an absolute pleasure, Dan. It's the first time me and you have actually physically spoken. We've we've had a lot of messenger contact, but it's really really nice to have you on board tonight. Thank you for coming on and having a chat because giving up your afternoon as well. I know you had some family stuff earlier today. You're like rushing back. Damn time zones. I know, man. If we all could be on the same time zone, stop moving, world. But then I think we'll die. I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> I think we that, probably would. But you know. Just, just very briefly before we go, Lee, what have you got coming out on, on Bleeped Up? So funny enough, um, obviously the biggest thing on our stuff is our Turbo Revin Old Punks stuff. So we've got a trailer actually dropping, Dan, where we're going to talk a little bit about cards and a little bit of an insight in how the design process was. So kind of like a cool insight that we want to do. So it's super cool. I'm going to drop that soon. But yeah, other than that, man, I'm I'm busy. I, I just got to keep playtesting because like I've got a few cards that are we still we're still on the still testing a few, aren't we, Dave? That's basically what we're up to. I think we're down to the battle probably the final five or six. It's insane out of like 
we can understand it's the worst part. The yeah, it is, and it's the it's the most insane bit about it. it was just like, yeah, this is gonna be fine, and then we realized just like it's these baby tweaks, man, these little tweaks. So what are you up to, Dave? I've got a deck profile coming out next week. Um, more gameplay. I've been taking a bit of a break as well, like like for personal reasons and stuff. So like you say, is it, we talked about the burnout earlier. I think I did burn out a bit. So just having a bit of a quiet time. We're still here. We're still going to be doing stuff. Um, just, you know, it's been a, been a busy time and things are getting back to relative normality here in the UK. So I've recently started going back to my local game store, running the X-Wing stuff. You know, we have to do it in a, a controlled way because of the restrictions in store. But X-Wing is... is I wouldn't say it's taken a, 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 as much time as I maybe gave it pre-pandemic, but it's certainly becoming a factor again and reconnecting with some friends and, and just being normal was being nice. Um, so yeah, just deck profile next week, trader with you soon. Just more, more fun and games, really. It's true. Obviously, this podcast as well, at some point, when you guys have heard this, hey, I've edited and yeah. put it out. Like That's pretty exactly. fun. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that I think that's it. Once again, thank you, Dan. Yeah, man. Um, it's a goodbye from me, Dave. It's a goodbye from me, Lee. It's a goodbye from me, Dan. And guys, this has been One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall. The one and only. That's all right. Transformers TCG podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side. I don't know what the when the next episode will be. It might be a set review. It might be our review. It might be some sort of review. But until next time, guys, remember, keep playing Transformers. One shall stand, one shall fall.